Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. So much to get to here on the show. Uh, with the draft coming up tomorrow, we will be at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Ben Troop, looking forward to uh, having some fun there leading up to the draft. We're going to have a, a nice contest. You pick the top 10 picks along with us. Whoever gets the most right going to win a 70-inch flat-screen television there from Coach's Corner. We'll talk draft today. Emory Hunt, football game plan, will join us here in hour number one. We'll talk a little uh, Braves baseball. Fred Owens from Tomahawk Take will join us coming up in our number two, but uh, but Ben, the draft is tomorrow. I know we've asked you a lot about you know your draft experience and and things of that nature. But I mean, if you're getting invited to the draft right now, you're in Las Vegas. You're you know it's a it's a, it's a fun town to be in. It's the day before what's going to be the biggest day of your life at this point. Uh, you know, I would imagine outside of having a kid or whether this is setting your uh, career path on track in some way, shape, or form, 24 hours from now. Yeah, Kevin, and you and you hope that it, it, that it goes as planned. I mean, I think, I know we'll get into it more on the show, but the spectacle that is known as the draft, it's, it's so much buildup. I mean, it because it comes down to, Kevin, is it my game tape? Is it my height? Is it my, is it my genetics? Is it my combine? Is it my pro day? Is it how I interview? Is it, is it, is it my social media? Because that's another thing, too. Is it, is it how I tweet? Everything about me is being scrutinized. Everything. How I respond, how I look at people. The, the same thing we say, like, you know how we go from Kevin talking about the game on the field to, I don't know, man, just something about it. Like, every time I look at him, like, what do you mean? Like, so, but if you did get invited to Vegas, I hope that it goes your way. Why? Because everybody goes back to Aaron Rodgers. I can be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play sitting in the green room. What? Pick 24, 25. And I'm like, look, man, last time I checked, you grow up and you want to play and you want to be from that to, oh, I wanna um I wanna I wanna go number one overall. We'll see, we'll we'll see what happens, Kevin Man. But for my money, I think at the end of the day, it's gonna more than live up to the billing. George, the University of Georgia will be the headliners. From day one to day set, I mean, the day one to day three, but I want to see how many of them Georgia Bulldogs going to be going in round one. That is huge. Trayvon Walker, number one pick in that draft. What does that do for a school? What does that do for a, a university when you can say, look, out of everybody, guy from our school went number one? It's prestigious, Kevin. How many how many schools? Listen, I went to the University of Florida. I don't think Florida's ever had a number one overall pick. I think uh, Dante Fowler Jr. and uh, Gerard Warren both went number three overall. So it's prestigious. And, Kevin, once again, it goes back to what I be saying. I know it's about the national championship, right? I know. But how many teams can really win that? What, eight? Maybe nine? And Georgia's obviously one of those teams. It's about the draft. That's perception. It's about recruiting. That's perception. And it's about the brand. Well, Georgia's winning on all three fronts. So you already know, Kevin, what's going to – Kirby Smart is out there on the recruiting trail with that big old gigantic boulder on his finger that got national champs on it. Now he gets to say, hey, man, you come to Georgia, you got a chance to potentially be the number one overall pick. And I just think that with all the headliners, Kevin, when you think about Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean and George Pickens and Science Scene and White and it just list goes – Trevon Walker. Got a chance to be number one overall, not a quarterback, right? 
an interior defensive lineman, not even the outside pass rusher. So the University of Georgia is winning, Kevin. Listen, they claim the Super Bowl because, you know, Matthew Stafford won that. They claiming the Braves World Series champ because they in the state of Georgia. Now they claiming the draft. They get the number one overall pick. I mean, all eyes will be on Vegas and in Athens because I think I think uh, I think the University of Georgia they're gonna be on this, they're gonna be on full display starting starting tomorrow night. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, fun to watch how that uh, certainly unfolds. It looks like the Jags are gonna go. Trayvon Walker. We'll talk more about that uh, coming up in just a little bit. I mean, it could be Aiden Hutchinson, but it seems in the coming in the last three or four days a lot of momentum has shifted towards the dra- the Jags uh, drafting Trayvon Walker. Falcons still sitting there at eight. Uh, you hear, again, who knows at this point what is to be believed and what is to be not believed, but you hear all about, oh, could Evan Neal slide to eight? Could Kyle Hamilton slide to eight? Could I mean, the Falcons are sitting there. Could Kayvon Thibodeau? Now it seems like maybe he won't slide to eight, but who's going to be there at eight for the Falcons to potentially take that maybe – a week ago, you were saying, nah, probably not going to make it that far. I mean, Kevin, I mean, nothing nothing is out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. Who knows? I mean, is Evan Neal there? It's, it's, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying it's, 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 it's one of these quarterbacks that you coveted. You know, is, is they, it's Kyle Hamilton there. I mean, because I've heard him sliding a lot. And the thing about the Falcons is Terry Fondo sitting next to Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith always got this like super duper puzzled shock look on the face <laughs> like all the time like that that just but is- but Ben you've said quarterback a couple times who would have to be who would have to be gone from the board for you to make that move because I think you have said there's a couple of guys that you'd be willing to stick for if not try your best to trade back I know quarterback is a possibility and you there you and other people have said if it's the guy you like get him even if he sits uh, because Marcus Mariota may play you out of this situation in in 2023's draft, but who would have to be gone for you to go quarterback at eight? I mean, if if Evan Neal or Kyle Hamilton or one of those guys yeah. is sitting there, I would have a hard time passing on yeah. one of them to get a quarterback who's not going to play right now, not going to help me win right now, and I, maybe that's short-sighted, and the draft grade is probably not as good as any of the top three quarterbacks for next year's draft, uh, who would have to be gone for you to make a call to say quarterback at eight? All those guys, Kayvon Thibodeau got to be gone. Evan Neal got to be gone. Kyle Hamilton got to be gone. A- Aiden Hutchinson got to be gone. Javon Walker got to be gone. Because these are the these are the top-tier players. Now, people are going to say well, they need a receiver. Yeah, but it's, it's deep. this receiving class is deep, right? And, and do that receiver help you right now? Maybe. Um, I just think for me, Kevin, if if if, the, if if Thibodeau isn't there, if Evan Neal isn't there, if Kyle, you know, Hamilton isn't there, maybe even a soft gardener is not there, you go quarterback right there because it, it makes it makes logical sense when you're saying, look, I'm counting three quarterbacks next year that's supposed to be really, really good. Well, Atlanta is picking eighth this year. So what's the probability they're gonna be in that top five? Probably not, because 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 Kevin, you lose you lose the you got to win the perception battle of we're not just throwing in the tank. We 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 we're an organization that's trying to get back to winning. Well, really they they can't throw in the tank because what do you got in Arthur Smith? He gonna have to that 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 return on investment gonna have to start showing in twenty twenty two. So they're probably not gonna be in the top five. So that gets you out the quarterback sweepstakes. You don't want a guy like Baker Mayfield. You don't want a guy like you know uh you know Kyle, you know Kyler Murray. 
So that might take you out the veteran sweepstakes. So it's looking more and more like a quarterback could potentially go. Now, who that quarterback is, Kevin, you got to live with that decision because we think, you know, we think Kenny Pickett, you know, uh, Malik Willis, well, I get it. But it's a Desmond Ritter. It's a Sam Howe. It's a Matt Corral. Right, I just think that for me, Terry Fondo, they brought you in to make this decision. If those guys we talk about are gone, if he goes quarterback, nobody's gonna bat an eye because while they're gonna be saying they just got Marcus Mariota, you know how it is, Kevin. Walking away from the draft, you want to feel like you got better on paper. And if you get a quarterback, man, it definitely gives the assumption that Atlanta is definitely trying to go all in. Maybe not in 2022, but uh, maybe like down the line. Yeah, again, I, I think there would have to be a lot missing. For me to go quarterback if I'm Atlanta, because I, I, again, I, I know people come back, but if you need a quarterback, you got to get one. No, you don't. Not especially not if you're not sold on those guys. And to me, I I don't know why. I, I guess it's because it's scared of being wrong or whatever. But nobody's going to fault you in the moment of saying, "Look, we didn't feel that any of these guys were going to make us better right now." We we wanted to improve our club in other ways. And if they turn out, Malik Willis turns out to be an all-pro Hall of Famer, well, whoops, you won't be the first team to make a mistake, and you won't be the last team to make a mistake. I, I, I just, to me, given what you think and assume about next year's quarterback class, don't talk yourself into taking a quarterback just because you think you have to have one right now. Because, again, Ben, I kind of akin quarterbacks to people not trusting their draft board, where you come out and you're like, uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, who was it uh, that we always go to? It was uh, coming out of uh, Florida State. Who was it? Yeah, P- Christian oh, Ponder. Christian oh, yeah, Ponder and Jake- and and, and, uh, and uh, Manuel, both of them. Right, yeah. Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, all those guys. And they're like, man, these guys are like second round. I know, but we got to have a quarterback. Do you feel like they're franchise quarterback? Well, we got to have a quarterback. Well, you just took a guy in the first round that you probably didn't believe was going to be a franchise quarterback and you had a second or third round grade on. Under the premise of you needed a quarterback. Well, you got one you didn't want. You got yep. one that you didn't think was good enough to be uh, that. So if I'm Atlanta, don't go reaching for a quarterback, especially when you might have two or three chances to get one that's better than any of these guys in this year's draft. I know that's a heck of a gamble. If people say, yeah. that's a, like you said, are you going to be in the top 10? You certainly hope not, but... To, to me, I, I just don't see drafting a quarterback who you don't feel strongly about just because you need one. Yeah, I, I agree with that too, Kevin, because the thing is, I want to be so – I want to be first-round picks. No, no, no. All these first-round picks, I got to be all in. I got to be sold on. I got to be – I wanted this guy. Not I got this guy because I couldn't get that guy or this guy fell to us. We got the guy that we covered. This is the guy we wanted because you don't want to be coming to no uh, – you know, you don't want to be coming to these press conferences if you all just smell for Terry Fontenot saying, well, you know, he was a guy that we can, we definitely think can fit in with our ball club. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. This is a guy that we think can help us win. This is a guy that we feel as though can help us get get back to that because, you know, replacing Matty Ice, I'm sorry, people. That is about as, as good as a production as you're going to have both individually and collectively. So I do agree, Kevin. Don't get a quarterback because we need one. You got one. His name is Marcus Mario. <laughs> That's who you got now. If you talking about one thing now, are these guys this year's draft better than next year? No. But you you can do that every other year when you talk about these quarterbacks. I'll give you two names. Right? RG3, Robert Griffin the third, right? Andrew Luck. Where are they? These guys are supposed to be both of them gone. Right? I give you two more names. Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. They are fighting for their football lives. 
in the same division with the Saints and the Falcons. So I know we forget all this stuff that Mel Kiper say as soon as he said, but there is no such thing as a can't miss. Oh, you can swing and miss every single time when you talk about these players. What, what was it, Kevin? A 33% success rate in the first round. 33%. You better hope you're a part of that 33. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, odds are that you're not going to be. We'll chat with Emory Hunt, football game plan, about some of that coming up in just a little bit. But more on the draft, man. It's going to be a party in Vegas. We'll get to that when we return. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. You can catch us streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, on your mobile device, ESPN app, also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Tomorrow, Ben, we're going to be out at Coach's Corner getting ready for the draft, have a little draft party of our own. But certainly in Vegas, man, this has been a interesting kind of route for the, the, the NFL draft because – when you boil it down, Ben, this is a, a selection of college players for where they're going to apply their trade. So it's guys standing on the podium going in with the third pick. Steve Jones is going to the Texans. The NFL has managed to turn this into a party in a three-day event. I mean, at its core, it's very simple. But it's now a made for TV event, even in the pandemic, when people couldn't come and get together, they turned it into like a party type thing where, you know, Roger Goodell's sitting there eating M&Ms in his living room going and with the, th- the third pick. I mean, how did we get here with the draft where something as simple as picking players turned into a huge, huge party where now it's in Vegas and it's inside and outside now, yeah. not just inside, it's outside too. I mean, Kevin, that's what happened, right? When you got the best brand in America, right? When you got the best brand in America, and what is that? That is football. Football is the best brand in America. Then you start talking about college football. Okay. Then you start talking about SEC football. Okay. Then you start talking about ACC. I think the prestige of it, Kevin, is the fact that the fact that some of these players are really, really good coming straight out of college to pro, people are really thinking, I'm a Joe Burrow away, right? I'm a I'm a Bosa brother. Well, I, 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 right now, it's just, you know, the two Bosa brothers. I don't know if it's another one. If it is, you know, somewhere he's out there, you know, pushing cows around, getting in, in, in Ohio or South Florida, that is. Both of them boys from South Florida. So I think, Kevin, when you think about what the, what the draft has become, it's an event. And it's something for everybody, right? Like you just said, it's something for everybody. When the draft really took off is when they started taking it away from New York. Because they knew, okay, if we're not going to be in New York, right, and we ain't going to have the guys, you know, Avenue of America's Radio City Music Hall taking pictures with their suits on, what is it going to be? We got to make it an event. Because Philly, Dallas, what, they've had it, They've you know, they got it in Vegas, they've had it in Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee in 2019 was a treat because when I was there back in 2004, you know, uh, I never ever thought that a that the draft would come to Nashville. And somebody's saying, Yeah, man, you know, it's two hundred thousand people downtown. What? Like, yeah, it's two hundred thousand people down there. So I think Kevin, what it has become is look, you got the red carpet. I saw uh D'Angelo, D'Angelo Williams, former running back for the Carolina Panthers, and Vince Wilford. They out there doing like they fashionistas, asking guys what they wearing. And I'm telling you, money talks, people. 
That's what this really comes down to. These TV networks know you're going to have a lot of fans and people that just like football watching a bunch of Roger Goodell guaranteed to get booed. He, he's embracing that. Then when you think about all these different fan bases that really wouldn't want to know who's going to be the next edition. Yes, Kevin, it has become an event. And dare I say, I remember when it was two days back when I got drafted, it was two days, first, second, the third round on one day, fourth, Four, five, six, or seven on the next day. Now it's three days. Kevin, I'm telling you, we itching towards draft week to where it's gonna be wall-to-wall coverage. Cause because what they do now too, Kevin, is on the on after Roger Dale announced the first round. Second round through seven, it could be anybody. It could be anybody coming up to that freaking podium saying, Hey man, with the you know, now I know one person that shouldn't be allowed back on that podium. You know I love you. I ain't gonna call you out, but they gave you one shot. And you messed up that boy's name. You know who I'm talking about. You know I love you. But I'm just saying, Kevin, yes, it is an event. And you can say I his say name, Kevin, Ben. I mean, come on. Come, v- VY the legend. Come <laughs> on, man. I mean, you know I love you, VY. But that was too much pressure. I, it was one of those things where, Kevin, if you at the Academy Awards, they don't tell you who won it. You really got to open up that envelope and hope you can pronounce that thing. I was going to say, Ben, see, he got he got Harold Landry, which is why people <laughs> give him so much grief. Like, my, my, uh, my luck, it would be like, Hey man, here you go. Oh, who is this? Oh, you got TJ Hushmanzada. What? <laughs> like, and oh, I gotta go say this in ten seconds. Oh my god, you got DJ Uangale. You got Tua Tagovailoa. You know, you got you got Hero Tola. It's like, look, man. Hey, listen. Who's our said, Who's hey, our hey, tight end from Maryland that we had on that you were like? Uh, 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 uh what's his name, man? Uh, Albert Albert Okay Wanan. I can't even. Then this year you got you got uh you got you got Chigo. Chigoium, uh, the, the tight end from Maryland. Listen, and that's the thing, Kevin. You'll be like, okay, I'm finally feeling now. It's Kevin Thomas. I'm here talking about my my bowl game, and you know what it is, bowl game. You know what it is. And then I'm and, 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 Kevin wants you to announce, and you know the tight the tight end select, tight end out of Maryland. What is this? Because you can't. She, well, no, I mean it's different if you're like Mel Kiper. Somebody's like you've been studying the draft. It's another thing if you're like, hey. Vince Young, you're representing the Titans. We're going to let you <laughs> announce the pick. You literally, I'm not saying, but Ben, if, if the Titans came to you, it's like, Ben, as a former pick of the Titans, we want you to announce the pick. Okay, cool. That would be awesome. I'll be at the draft announcing the pick. You have no idea who it is. You, know, you don't know you who know. it's going to be. I you mean, know. do they give it to you? Like, hey, in 30 seconds, you're going to go read this. I, oh, boy. I'm gonna, I, I, That's all I'm saying is like, they would be, like, if I didn't get like somebody Smith, or Jones or something like I might be a little nervous. Them regular names. I want. I want a regular. I want a John Smith. I want a. You know. I want. I want a Pat Johnson. No, Kevin. I'm. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get Paul Gillespie out of out of Penn State. Look, man. Look, because at the look, end of the day, Ben, it's not just the pressure of saying a, a, a guy's name on national television that you don't know necessarily who who it's gonna be. So it could be anybody with any you know form of the alphabet as as the last name you don't know. But you're going out there on stage to read that, and it's like the biggest day of that young man's life. So it's like, with the second pick, TJ Hausmerzod, like yeah, it's like no, oh, I messed it up. TJ Hausmerzod, it's like it's almost like Kevin, you know. But think about this, Kevin. Look, you people have done things their whole life, rooting for people, rooting for fans, and this is your moment, Kevin Thomas. What? This is your moment. You get to announce the eighth overall pick for them Falcons. All right. You know? And then, listen, Desmond Ritter. It, it seems easy enough. But in the heat of the moment, it don't look. I'm like, what is that? You call him Damon or something. Desmond. Damon Ritter. 
Uh, I mean, Desmond Ritter. Think about this, though. And Honor Landry, Honor Landry, Harold Landry just signed a contract extension with the Titans, right? And he always going to be remembered for, I mean, who announced you? Uh, Vince Young. What did he say? He called me Honor. What? <laughs> he said Honor Landry. Because so when people ask, so Kevin, when people ask, hey, man, why don't everybody host the award shows? Because you got to know how to read that teleprompter. And it's, and it's moving, right? <clears throat> but I would say this, it's like sporting would be hard, again, because you have names of people from all over. And again, you don't know what you're going to get. No. Like, like, again, if you go no. to the movies, like, okay, at least I know that this is going to be Tom <laughs> Hanks or or what have you. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying because his name's easy to pr- pronounce. Yeah. I'm saying, but like, you know who's in the movies. Like, yeah. if I'm doing the draft, I have no idea who the next name is going to be, especially when you get in like the third or fourth round. It could be anybody. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! And we and we make and we we listen, listen. Think about the people who who who, who if they were in the first round. Like so this year, we're gonna switch it up. This is the remix. Roger Goodell is not announcing the pick. We're gonna get somebody to announce the pick. Okay, Von Thibodeau for to test somebody up. Thibodeau, oh, that last name is guaranteed, Kevin, to test somebody. And the only reason why we know how to say it, because we've been saying it for like four years, Thibodeau, 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 got it. Now, if somebody put Thibodeau in front of you, Kevin, and you had to spell it, you could be like, wait, 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 wait. What you mean it is with an X? I know. I'd be telling them, hey, I'm going to need you to read this aloud to me a couple of times before I go out there. Kevin, think about this. You You go from excitement to pure fear. All right, Kevin, you up next. With the eighth overall pick, the 2022 NFL They get that draft. dude from Oregon. <laughs> it's that dude. <laughs> that dude. Yeah. And, 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 and this is the thing, though. And, K, and you have to stand there. When Kayvon comes, you got to give him his jersey. He's like this. It's simple, though. Man, you don't take the jersey and get on the body here, man. Get a regular last, get a regular last name, man. You from California. What kind of name is simple, though, man? Come on, man. Get out of here. I mean, I would, no, I'm sure, like, I, I, to be honest, Ben, I wouldn't be shocked. If for real, they like obviously the NFL has a pretty good idea of who's going number yeah. in the first round. If they don't sit Roger Goodell down and go, now listen, we're gonna run through these names. So if one of them gets handed to you, you know you already know. Like you know what I mean? So I would not be surprised if they do that. In all honesty, just so there's no mess ups on you know draft night where it's like, who what you know? What? That, but what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm sure yeah, Roger Goodell the, 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 the guy the. The big time defensive end from Oregon. You just walk off, Kayvon. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I can't say you last. I mean, listen, it's about the sound bites, Kevin. Like I said, you 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 are listen, Kevin. You are one step away from being a meme. Because if you say the wrong thing, oh, you got Kevin Thomas. Every time somebody announced something wrong, Steve Harvey, Miss America, every single time, every single time. That might be the worst again because that literally is like the pinnacle. It's like you literally told a girl she won the top. Prize that she was out there to compete, and then ten seconds later, goes, <laughs> after she took the walk, was like, "Oh my, um, uh, yeah, yeah, you didn't uh-oh. win, no, she no, no. did, uh, and then now she that, has that, to go." That is, yes, that is a that is a that is a program director's worst nightmare. He like asked Steve, "What are you?" Oh my god, Steve, oh, because Kevin, in a sense, improvising, understanding that I made a mistake, it actually helped his career. By the way, Steve Harvey you know, hosted a whole bunch of stuff since then. But they told him, hey, man, we ain't doing that stuff. Yeah. We ain't hiring you to do no, to make no moment. Yeah, no we, more pageants ever again. Yeah, no pageants ever again. We'll come back. Emory Hunt, football game plan, going to join us. We'll get him to break down some of these guys in the first round. How it, could it shape up tomorrow? He'll join us next. It's here on 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 
Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Of course, the NFL Draft coming up tomorrow night from Las Vegas. And Ben joining us here on the program from Football Game Plan. Emory Hunt steps in here on three and out. Emory, welcome. How are you? I'm doing fine, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, appreciate you coming on. Obviously, we've seen a lot of uh, you know dra- pre-draft talk. It was Aiden Hutchinson now. Trayvon Walker, number one. When you see Trayvon Walker, why the precipitous leap here in the last few weeks uh, from a guy maybe later in the first round to a guaranteed top ten to top five, top three, and now the Jags potentially want him at number one? You know, it's interesting. I feel like every year it shows you when certain parts of a franchise get into the process. Scouts were in the process all year long, which is why you probably saw him as a later first-round guy. The GM gets involved after making some trades, and now you see him start to move up. And once the coaches get involved, the coaches look at what happened at the combine. A lot of times the combine is the first time the coaches get involved in the process, so they're putting their hands on guys, and they see them at the end. Uh, you know, So they're seeing them working out. They see the height, weight, speed, athleticism, and they tend to all come to agreement, hey, I can coach this guy up. I can get this guy to do X, Y, and Z. I can teach him A, B, and C. I think that's why you start to see prospects vault up because the coaches get involved uh, and the GM is also involved at the latter part of the whole process. Emory, when you look at a guy like Javon Walker, obviously he played up and down that defensive line, not just at the three technique, played outside, played inside, was able to drop back in coverage. How much does his versatility make it so that it makes him even more of a very, very nice pick to potentially go number one? That's a great point, and I feel like to your point, uh, because, and you know better than anybody, Ben, when you get out there on game day, you only have, uh, they always talk about the 53-man roster, but really it's 46-man roster on game day. So the more you can do, the, the better you are, the more value you have. And you see this across the board along the offensive line. You see this with uh, corners that can also play safety or safeties that can also play corner. And you're seeing it with Trayvon Walker, someone that can serve in any one of the Texans up front and, and play it well because he showed across the board at Georgia, he's able to be moved around and hold his own at the point of attack. Emory Hunt, football game plan. Joining us here, you look at this first round. I know a lot of people said it's deep, maybe not top-end talented. How do you see this first round? Where's the skill level uh, kind of fall in this first round here? Well, I'm, I'm a draft nut. So, for me, the draft is always deep, especially this class, because you're essentially dealing with two draft classes. Uh, we haven't seen this many prospects in a draft class in quite some time. I always like to say since World War II, uh, when we saw the, you know, the college game be this stacked with veteran talent. Um, and so I feel like because of that, in the first round, you know, I know people may not have 32 first-round grades on players, but you're getting legit talent in the, in the first round. And that will always, I think that in this year, go all the way through the second to the top of the third round where you're getting guys that can step in and start. Uh, day one, we'll see guys that can make a roster and make an impact as you know key reserves all the way around seven because of how deep the class is. Emory, when you think about this quarterback class, obviously you always hear that they're always comparing a, this quarterback class to a previous class or an upcoming class in 2023. But you got Malik Willis, you got Desmond Ritter, you got Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, different style quarterbacks, but they, but all guys have shown to be really, really productive at the college level. Which one of these guys, when we look back on this thing, I don't know, four or five years from now, is going to be the uh, maybe like the top of this class? I feel like it's going to be Malik Willis because he has the, the greatest upside. Um, you know, this is someone that, that shows some humbleness, 
going from Alabama, uh, Auburn to uh, Liberty, and he said the uh, he said the quiet part out loud when we asked him at the combine, you know, what happened with you know you transferring to, to Liberty, what went into that process. He was like, man, I wasn't focused at Auburn. I didn't study. I didn't you know take the the game seriously, and I didn't play. So when I found out that's what it takes to play, I got into my playbook. I got serious about the game. I became a better leader, transferred to Liberty, and, you know, stayed with that same mindset. And that's why he was able to take off last year. And he was able to build on some of that this season. I feel like he's the right type of kid. He has the right type of upside. He plays what the game today suggests you play like at the quarterback position. We just talked about Trayvon Walker and his athleticism. Well, you better have a quarterback that can get out there and move. And I feel like he's someone that, that fits the mold of today's game. He has the right mental uh, leadership capabilities and the mental aptitude to succeed. I feel like he'll be the one that we say, hey, yeah, that was the premier one of the class. But I also feel like somebody like Desmond Ritter will, will be the one that will be the second top quarterback of this class and say, hey, you know what? Maybe he went round two, but he's a solid starter. He could be an Andy Dalton type or a Marcus Mariota type. Uh, which is quite fine if you're looking for someone that can kind of drive your bus if you're talking about in terms of a football team. When you look at these uh, these quarterbacks as, as well, do, when you talk about upside, do they need to get drafted by the right team? Uh, is it a, a system fit for those guys, or are they guys that can pretty much fill in wherever uh, they get drafted? I feel like everybody has to go to a situation that, that, that fits them, and you kind of hope the team that drafts you wants you there. And we've seen this happen in recent cases with some quarterbacks. It's come out that maybe the coaching staff didn't want this guy, but the GM wanted him and vice versa. You hope that you go somewhere where they want you and you can have success. And they're invested in your growth and development because you're right. If you go somewhere and it's a bad situation, that's why I kind of don't want no one to go to Carolina as a young rookie. I wish they'd go and get a veteran because we don't know if that coaching staff is going to be there past this year. And you don't want to constantly have constant change for a young QB that's trying to grow and develop. So I hope these guys go somewhere where they're wanted, where they they have a plan in place, and they get the time to grow and develop a, a player so that we can reach his full potential. I mean, when you think about this DB class, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really everything you want. I mean, you think about a guy like Derek Stingley Jr. was the best cornerback in the country two years ago, but he was first year out of high school and had to wait two years. You think about a guy like Sauce Gardner, never, ever gave up a touchdown, you know, in college. You think about, you know, guys like Kyrie Elam and McDuffie and so on and so forth. What makes this cornerback class come in already NFL ready? Because they seem to be getting bigger, faster, and stronger to deal with some of these receivers they're going to have to line up in front of. And that's the biggest key. If we, if we think about back in the day uh, when, you know, back in our day, so to speak, Ben, when you had the first round was little with running backs and linebackers, right? Because that's what the college game was. Run the ball, stop the run. Now you look at the college game, you see more three, four, and five wide receiver sets. So you're seeing nickel be essentially the base coverage. Safety's now can cover. 707 is prominent in high school. So these dudes are coming into the NFL game with so many reps of running routes, playing coverage, playing each other, you know, one-on-one. It's, it's remarkable to see how fast these guys have come about. Because remember, that the talk used to be, well, if you take a receiver in the first round, if you take a corner in the first round, it usually takes about two to three years for them to get up to speed on the NFL level. Well, we're seeing now corners, safeties, and also receivers step in ready to go from day one. I, I feel like 
the corners to your question is because of what we're seeing from the passing game in college. So these guys are getting a ton of reps uh, going up against wide receivers, so that's why they're more apt to come in and they're developing at a faster rate at the collegiate level. Uh, Emory, I saw you talking about Kyle Hamilton earlier this week with uh, with somebody else and how he's potentially sliding in the draft, uh, if at all possible. What do you see in Kyle Hamilton? I know people talk about him uh, with Atlanta. What do you see from him, and what do you what do you think when you hear people say, oh, he's sliding in the draft? I feel like people get tired of talking about the same prospects, right? So they start to make up these things that, that kind of knock guys down and, and to, to justify changing the narratives. Because remember, coming into the season – it was Kayvon Thibodeau, clear-cut number one, right? Then the Florida State game, Notre Dame game happens, and all of a sudden we start to see Kyle Hamilton being the number one overall pick to the Houston Texans. And all of a sudden he runs at 4-6. Now he can't play. So, for me, this dude is a clear-cut ball hawk on the back end. He has great instincts. And I think when you tie your instincts together with uh, how you play on the field, it makes you look like you run 4-4. And that's why a lot of people were shocked that he ran 4-6, but he plays 4-4 because of his instincts. He has great range, great ball skills. If the Falcons were to take him at 8, I would love that pick because I'm still a big fan of Richie Grant. I love what they already have in A.J. Terrell. You're building a bully in, on the back end, and we know it's a quote-unquote passion league, and you got a guy that could erase mistakes on the back end in Hamilton. That's a good secondary. And Emory, I mean, you I mean, you mentioned something. You're talking about a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau. Number one recruit coming out three years ago. I'm I mean, lights out at, at Oregon. I mean, uh, you talk about, what, uh, <clears throat> 19, I think, career sacks his time there at Oregon, lived in the backfield and let him return punts. Then, to, then here it is, the 2022 draft, he was a clear-cut number one. Here comes Aiden Hutchinson. Here comes Evan Neal. Here comes Javon Walker. When it's all said and done, what, what, what is it about a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau? Not the biggest guy, you know, a little under 266.5, but his game translated because I remember when he came out three years ago, they thought he was going SEC, shocked the world when he went to Oregon, but never tailed off with his game. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You watch someone at 6'4", 255, uh, and everything you said about uh, Trayvon Walker, he could do it too. He could drop back in coverage. He can carry running backs down the sideline and probably carry some tight ends too down the team if you want him to. And he, he's someone that wants to get better. And I feel like wherever he goes, he's going to provide that, that flexibility and versatility that you want up front. And, I, I, and, again, talking about prospect fatigue, it was all about Kayvon Thibodeau. And I feel as though when Hutchinson had the one game, I want to say it was against Michigan. I'm sorry, against Ohio State. Next thing you know, it starts to – he got Heisman buzz. And, really, it, it, it should have been um, – you know, somebody else going to, to the Heisman ceremony outside of him. And next thing you know, he's, he's been talking about his number one overall pick. And when you really dive into it, you see someone that's a solid pro that could be a solid pro, but you don't see the game changer. And it, if the season would have ended for him after that Ohio State game and we didn't see what happened against Georgia, we probably wouldn't have too many questions. But, man, we can see what happened against Georgia. And Georgia didn't have the best offensive tackles this season in terms of pro prospects. So you kind of wonder, well, how did this hype start to happen uh, from where a guy goes late first round to now clear-cut number one overall pick? I feel like, you know, that that was a little bit far-fetched. I still think Thibodeau, if the Jags are smart, if the Lions are smart, if anyone in the top five is smart, they take Thibodeau if he's falling off, he's there on the board. And then finally, when you think about the draft, right, you talk about guys like they got the hype train, like a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, he got the size, he got the ability, he got the brand, 
He got the brand name and things of that nature. You talk about a guy like Javon Walker going to be the headliner for the University of Georgia that's probably going to end up having, what, 20 guys when it's all said and done, potentially get drafted. Uh, and then drafted, you get a guy like Kyle Hamilton. You can't coach height, speed, agility. He has it all. In your mind, if you're a GM, what are you looking for? Because some people say combine, some people say the tape, some people say the pro day. What is Emory Hunt going on to say, this is what I look at when I'm trying to decide who's going to be a part of my ball club? I need to look at tape and the tape only. The only reason why I'm going to Indy is to go to St. Elmo's and have good steak and shrimp cocktail. I don't care what goes on out there that doesn't involve actual football. So I'm a tape guy through and through because how you play on film, you know, when you're at your best, when you're at your worst, when you're, when you're full strength, when you're tired, when you're playing a little bit banged up, all of that shows on film. The combine is almost an ideal situation for you to show your best self. You know, I need to see you in week five when y'all two and three and the team that y'all supposed to beat is, is kicking y'all up and down the field. I need to see you in that situation. I need to see you when the game is on the line. I need to see you make a big play when the team needs it. So to me, the tape tells you everything. You are what you put on tape. And that should be first and foremost what everyone should focus on. Emory Hunt, football game plan. Joining us here on 3 and Out. Emory, really appreciate the time. Thanks much. Appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. Emory Hunt, football game plan, does a great job breaking down the game. Prospects getting ready for the draft here. Uh, ben coming up tomorrow night. We'll come back with more 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along on this Wednesday. Draft tomorrow will be out at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Come join us. Looking forward to that, Ben Troop, as we get ready to try to predict who's going 1 through 10. Your guess is probably as good as ours. Uh, at this point. So coming out and join us, you get the most out of the top 10 correct, and uh, we'll have a great prize for you there from Coach's Corner, big 70-inch flat-screen television. We've got Take 3 coming up next hour. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take next hour as well, Ben. All I'm looking forward to, Kevin, is two things, right? The top 10 and eating a whole bunch of wings. I don't know what – because, Kevin, I'm going to have to dive a little bit deeper into the Coach's Corner uh, menu because everything is good. Like, I, I, I usually look at what you get. I'll be like, oh, Kevin going to probably get that little pizza or something. We over there looking good. But, no, man, we're going to have a lot of fun, man. We always usually have a lot of fun with Coach Corner. I think the last time we was there, Kevin, was when Baker Mayfield, I think, was going number one overall. I'm looking forward to the to the, uh, to the the uh, expressions on people's faces. They be like, dude, what's going on? They, you know, Falcons, do the right thing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, with the number eight pick. Ah! <laughs> that's, what, that's what everybody's, uh, what are you doing? Come on. One thing to do. Yeah. You had one job, Fontenot. One job. <laughs> we'll get into that tomorrow. We got take three coming up next. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Tate, going to join us for talking Braves baseball with him coming up in about 20 minutes here on the program. Also looking at the transfer portal. Georgia Southern's had a few uh, players jump in and one notable player. Uh, we'll get to that coming up in uh, just a little bit, and part of take three there as well. Plenty of draft coverage still to come here on 3 and Out also. But, uh, Ben, it is 4 o'clock. we got to do this first. We're going to take three here on 3 and Out. So here we go. Take one, Ben. I can look at my show notes. I can't find it. Now we got it outside. Just, just being honest. I'm, like, looking down at the show notes. I'm like... Where is it at? I can't find it. These old these old eyes on a uh, on a on a Wednesday. 
Hawks uh, bounced out of the playoffs last night by the Heat, but uh, Ben, we talked about the Hawks and kind of some of their shortcomings here in 2022. How good are the Heat, though? I mean, I know they got the number one seed, but a lot of people say they're still not better than Milwaukee. Still not. How good are the Heat? They're really, really good, and, and, and they kind of showed it last night in Game Five. You think about the fact that a guy like Jimmy Butler was out with like knee inflammation, and they were still able to go out there. Scrap. I mean, I mean, uh, take no. Make, uh, take another way from Trey and coming. I mean, a very, very scrappy one, 97-94. But, Kevin, when, when arguably the, the heart and soul of your team, that being a guy like Jimmy Butler's not in the lineup, you still find a way to get it done. You're saying, look, I'm not going to let him being out force a game six. No, we're going to go ahead and get rid of these, you know, uh, you know, uh, very, very resilient young Atlanta Hawks. So I say having the number one seed, handling business, knowing that they're a team – and not a player-led team. Like, look, man, we're not going to be one player-driven. We're going to be a team. I mean, uh, Coach Brosler, he's a guy that I don't think gets enough credit because people think he was only good but when he had D-Wade and Bosh and, and uh, LeBron and his company. But, hey, find a way to get it done last night against a team that was last year's was one of two teams in the Eastern Conference Finals. I give this Heat team a lot of credit. I think they're really, really dangerous, really, really good. And when Jimmy Butler is in the lineup, they're very, very good. Yeah, I think the Heat are good. Again, I, I think they got the number one seed. I don't know that, as you said, they're better than Milwaukee. I, I think Milwaukee kind of took on the uh, like the LeBron teams. Where they're like, well, we could be the number one seed. We don't need to be though. We'll we'll be the three seed if we have. We'll still beat everybody. So I think the Heat are good. I don't know if they're the best team in the East. At the end of the day, obviously that will play itself out if they get it done in in the playoffs. But yeah, good Miami team, and they put the Hawks out of their misery last night uh, because that was a Hawks team that. I think no matter how you slice it, Ben, yeah, you got got to get in the play. They underachieved this year. I'm yes, not saying you had to go back to the conference finals, but I don't think anybody, when you started the season with what you had on the roster, even with COVID early in the season, I don't think anybody looked at the Hawks roster and said, yeah, this is a play-in team. This is a team that's going to be duking it out for number 10. Like, nobody thought that. I, I think they underachieved in a big way. All right, take two, Ben. Cam Ransom. I guess now former Georgia Southern quarterback has entered the transfer portal. Should we expect more post-spring transfers from Georgia Southern? Absolutely. I think the coach Hell is coming in with a listen, new regime, new scheme, players gonna lead. And I think the, the, the truest barometer of what your fit is gonna be on the team is in the spring. They're putting in a new offense, they're putting in a new game plan, they're trying to they're getting the they're getting the tight ends involved, which is which is definitely something I like. But Ransom was a guy, uh Kevin that Really, really athletic, but it was more or less built for a, you know, uh, option-style offense. With, it had to throw the ball occasionally, not all the time. 71 points in the spring game means that, listen, you coming over there with that old Western Kentucky-type mindset to be able to light up scoreboard. Sometimes, while you're athletic, your athletic talents and gifts don't trans, don't translate to what they're trying to do. So I'm not I'm not mad at Ransom. I think he's the first of many because, like I said, I'm just talking about the offensive side, maybe the defensive side. They're going to have some guys that don't translate to what they're trying to do. But I do I do expect Coach Helton to also hit that out of transfer portal to be able to pull certain guys out. So, so Ransom, why he's the first, he definitely won't be the last. Well, I think they had a uh, tight end yesterday as well, uh, transfer out. But Cam Ransom, to me, Ben, was uh, kind of interesting because he was he still has three years of eligibility left. Uh, you know, I think Van Treese is going to be the, the bridge guy, you know, to come in and say, hey, he's the guy that's got a year left, and he could be the quarterback to get us through. But – Cam Ransom, to me, and I'm kind of surprised. It may, and again, you don't know what conversation, but a guy that had the size and the speed ability to, I think, adapt 
in that offense. Uh, you just don't see guys that are, you know, that big that can run and and play the quarterback position. And maybe he'll get a shot now uh, somewhere else. But I just feel like obviously it was the passing that held him back a little bit. But maybe not. I don't know. Again, you can't speak for guys, but maybe this would have been a good year to learn the system, work on the passing game, and be a guy that could win with his arm, his speed, and his size all at the same time. But uh, you wish him wish him the best of luck. I know the previous regime was really excited when Cam Ransom came in for that reason. Obviously, they were going to ask him to run the ball a little bit more, but a guy that was big, physical, could throw the ball a little bit. I'm kind of surprised by that one, but I shouldn't be surprised by the transfer portal anymore, Ben, uh, given how it's uh, been used here. Yeah, and I think what happens is, Kevin, too, like you said, it's like when you when you had it when you when you talk about when you talk about uh, <clears throat> Coach Lunford Lunf and the company, they they recruited a certain guy for offense. Coach Held is recruiting guys to play in his offense, and I and I think you make a great point when you say Randall could have said, "Look, man." You know what it's gonna do for your game if you look a certain way. You built for this, right? But you sit behind this guy, you learn the passing game. You still got the physical gifts, but they finna help you be more of what the National Football League is looking for. Yes, they want to do a threat, but you're gonna throw it more than you run it because that's the only way you're gonna survive in the National Football League. You're not gonna survive in college running the ball all the time because that's a lot of that's a lot of pounding on your body. So I do think that, and Kevin, I know something we're gonna get to it though. Just because he's in the portal. Doesn't mean he don't get there and see just how congested it is and decide, well, I might want to go back because I get to do it with it. Because if I can show I can do it with two different coaching staffs, with, with, with a new guy coming in trying to help this resurgence of Georgia Southern, who knows, he might, end up back, he might end up back in Statesburg. Yeah, you never know. Uh, but again, he put his name in the transfer portal. All right, Ben, finally, uh, take three. Mark Emmert, uh, I'm sure you saw this. A lot of people saw it. Set to retire no later than 20. 23 is the uh, the head of the NCAA. How will he be remembered in your estimation, and what challenges will the new leader of the NCAA have in front of them? I mean, I think Mark Emmer won't be remembered for you know nothing more than a face. I mean, he didn't really do a lot when you talk about the NCAA. Didn't boost the, the status quo of the NCAA, so to speak, Kevin. It was it was more of a, a disciplinary. Yeah, when it comes to handing out discipline, when it comes to the players, oh yeah, he can definitely do that. But I think that I think the one thing he's going to show is I don't I don't think he wanted anything to do with what the NCAA is becoming. We talk about NIL, you know, we talk about more exposure. We talking about guys, young men and young women having more of a voice. And the NCAA, it's, it's only getting bigger. He's probably saying, look, I was a part of the old regime to say we had that perception of us saying we look bigger than what we are. But now that we know they're not, the new guy's going to, the new guy or the new lady might come in and have to understand this. You're going to have to fight to keep this NCAA you know, going because right now, people, like you say, Kevin, they say, well, what do we need y'all for? Like, what, what, what do we need the NCAA for when we're getting the TV deal? We're getting the players. We're getting the branding. We're getting the brand equity. We're getting the brand ambassadors. We got. We are the faces. And if they get somebody that comes in that can embrace NIL, that can embrace the fact that, hey, man, let us go back into this perception thing. If we want to keep y'all under one umbrella because we don't want to lose that. Because if we lose that, well, the NCAA is going to be no more than a tagline, a hashtag. And ain't going to be much more than that. So I do think, Kevin, the, the new, the, whoever's going to replace Mark Emmer is going to have some big shoes to fill from a – what the NCAA is now. I, I Listen, I remember Jeremy Foley told me when he first got there in Florida, their, their budget was like, I don't know, 10 mil. They, they they working at over 100 mil now. We talking about what Scott Strickland has. So I think that now, Kevin, you got to embrace where college, where the NCAA is now. And unfortunately, you got to be able to uh, to project where it's going. And 
where it's going, who knows, but I know it is not standing still. No, and I, I think to, for me, Mark Emmert will be, I, I don't know if it, it'll be that he's not remembered. I just think he'll be remembered for being inconsistent on things, from handing out punishments to what was a punishable thing to how did you manage the college sports landscape, which a lot of it was to kind of sit back and, and watch, uh, quite frankly. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to demean his, uh, impugn his character. I'm just saying from, from the way you... Look at it from the outside. You had various scandals at various universities. I think North Carolina, you know, had a a situation where guys were not going to class. I mean, and I think you get very inconsistent rulings, uh, you know, from how they handled uh, NC State with COVID at the College World Series to having them kind of just forfeit their way out of the College World Series over something that might have been able to be uh, delayed. I think you look at the proliferation of the conferences, and again, Mark Emmert does not control the schools. He does not control the conferences. But I think as a rule setter and kind of overseer, did you ha- did is consolidation and conglomeration uh, is 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 that the best for college athletics? Is it good for college athletics to have a 16 team SEC? Did you try to implement policies to slow some of that yeah. stuff down? Again, yeah. I, I I don't know. And again. Probably the latest iteration is name, image, likeness, the NIL. What was your position on that? You didn't really have one. You kind of passed the buck, and then it now it's kind of out there and out of control, where essentially what started out as, hey, man, I run a YouTube channel. You're not letting me monetize that. I should be allowed to make money off myself, to Now we have groups saying, Hey, if you come to the University of Texas and you play offensive line, you're getting $50,000. Like, just yeah, out in the open. And this all happened in the span of a couple of months, and you're going, I, I get we're living in an NIL world. But let's talk about what's an actual marketing deal. Let's talk about what is a person earned versus what are they just being given. And are you overseeing that in any way? And it seems like Mark Emmer, under his leadership, the NCAA just kind of threw their hands up and said, we'll let you all deal with it. Well, and now we've kind of ended up with where we're at, where you have people accusing Texas A&M of, hey, you're just slush funding recruiting and, you know, putting out all these NIL deals to just give to recruits and, and things of that nature. And where's the NCAA on that? I'm not saying they should come out and say, you can't do anything, but they have said nothing. And you're yeah. supposed to be the overseer of the college athletics uh, experience. And you have, and, and to me, that's more of the lasting uh, legacy there down the stretch of, of Mark Emmert is, you're, you're sitting back where, yes, you are growing the collegiate landscape, but you're also in a climate where you're encouraging competitiveness, you're encouraging a, a couple of different things, and it's becoming readily obvious to anybody who's paying attention that in the next five years, you're going to have about 15 to 20 schools who financially can kick everybody else in the teeth. And, and I don't think that's good for the growth of the game. You have, I mean, look at what it's doing to baseball. You have seven or eight teams. Now, granted, a lot of teams have won the World Series over the last two years, but you have teams that don't spend any money, and you have teams that spend exorbitant amounts of money, and people look at the product on the field and go, how is this going to work out? And I think you're dangerously encroaching that uh, in college. So I think whoever takes over from from Mark Emmert, their job is going to be, how do I keep this thing together? Because at some point, and, and we've said it, the money is good for the P5 schools, but at some point you're going, like, even though the money's better, we still cannot compete. 
outside of just collecting checks, we can't compete with any of what's going on. And again, I know people think I'm crazy about, oh, they'll never break away from the NCAA. I mean, Ben, you have 16 teams pretty soon here in the SEC, of which most of which will be flagship state universities. Of those 16, probably 10 are among the top 12 in terms of most money collected uh, yeah. at their schools uh, around college athletics. I mean, how do you keep that from just splitting off and saying, we'll do it ourselves? I, I think that's a challenge and certainly name, image, likeness and the new era of what constitutes a quote-unquote student-athlete. I, I think you have to define that. What constitutes not a student-athlete at, at, at that point? Because I think at this point, you don't... Ha- you, Yes, they are students and they are athletes, but the amateur status part of it, I think, by and large, especially for football, has kind of gone out the window uh, at, at this point. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying you have to be able to govern that somehow uh, if you are the NCAA. So whoever steps in has got a lot on their plate because, as you said, Ben, this isn't even how the NCAA operated in 2010. Right? I mean, it's 2022, and just a decade, it is completely – I mean, you want to go back and look at, like, what college athletics looked like in 1995 when you and I were going through middle school, high school age, and what it looks like now? It is not even close. Like, you go back and look at the, uh, you know, the Florida State-Miami games, and you're going, man, that was a game of the week. That was one that everybody watched. It was at noon. Noon! First part of the day. That was where they wanted to hype the big game. And Miami and Florida State are playing in a stadium that has an open end at it. I think they were playing at Dope Camel. One of the ends was open. Now there's millions and millions of dollars pumping in, and they've got an 80,000-seat stadium. you got I mean, all of these th- situations that have changed. Sponsors everywhere, noise, light shows, you know, multi-million-dollar workout and student-athlete housing. I mean, Ben, the, the student-athlete – I mean, not even that. The Student Activity Center – Again, when I was, again, I went to a smaller school, but again, the athletes had a separate weight room. That was about it. Everybody had a student activity center that they could use. Mm-hmm. Now, athletes at pretty much every major college, because they have to, you have an athletes only complex, right? I mean, you have like the, just the, the end zone building there at Georgia Southern. That's an athletic center. That's for athletes. You can't just walk in there and say, I'm going to use the weight room in here today. You can't just go hang out in the lounge. That's for athletes, and that's at every school. How do you manage that? So I I think that is where you, if you're the the head of the NCAA, where is this thing going? In just a short amount of time, it's it's completely different than what it was even 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, uh, around college athletics. I think the one thing, uh, Kevin, that that the new commission is going to have to do, him, him or her, they're going to have to predict the future by dictating. You're going to have to dictate what's coming because sometimes, even if I don't know what's coming, I got to make it look like I did. I got to make it look, oh, yeah, we was already out there in front of that. Because, Kevin, like you mentioned, it's either college athletic or it's not. So you talk about NCAA, well, that's all for them. That's Division One, Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, Ivy League. That's all of them. And the one thing you're saying about NIL is they're – What's going to be their saving grace? Establishing some level of the NIL that everybody benefits. Because we know right now, everybody don't got NIL deals. Not by a long shot. So be able to say, we have a, quote, NIL package that every single, you know, male or female, regardless of sport, gets. Because that makes it look like, oh, they care about us. Kind of like when Shabazz Napier of UConn, they won the national championship. They asked him about the national. He said, I'll be hungry at night. 
So I now got everybody got food across. So I think it's something like that, Kevin, because you know, just like I know, look, man, Texas gonna do what they want. Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, they gonna do what they want. So the NCAA better come up with something to say, man, let us let us make the the, 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 the smaller schools see what we making the big schools do. Hey, man, everybody got to fall in line with this. Then if everybody has a, quote, NIL package, a, a, a platform, a base, a base point, then you can start talking about the Arch Mannings of the world that's going to demand big dollars. Because, Kevin, you know, just like I know, if Texas a and was number one recruiting in 2022, you know what they're trying to do now? They're trying to be number one recruiting in 2023. They ain't trying to go back to number oh, one, sure. number three. So, and, and mind you, we know once again, and Texas and them can't even win the SEC West, and they're gonna be number one recruiting. Yeah, that's what the money does. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think the NCAA gonna have to get out in front of this thing. That's take three. We do it every day. This time we'll chat some Braves baseball. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take joins us when we return here on Three and Out. Good to have you along here, Three and Out on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll get to more draft coming up in just a little bit, uh, Ben. As we. Uh, got that coming up tomorrow. We'll be at Coach's Corner, but the Braves uh, coming up tonight, finishing uh, going on, I guess you should say, game two of a three-game series with the Chicago Cubs. And joining us here from Tomahawk Take, Fred Owens joins us here on 3 and Out. Fred, welcome. How are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. How's things out east? Hey, we are, we're doing fantastic. This is a Braves team that uh, has a chance to, if they can get a win tonight, and they got a favorable pitching matchup, win a series for the first time all year. I know that's kind of been the Braves' mantra, but – here through the first, uh, what, two and a half weeks of the season, what's been kind of your thoughts on the Braves and their start? Well, you know, the pitchers weren't all that bad. The lineup didn't do a lot. I, we had that one big blowout thing in the middle there, but mostly the lineup didn't give the pitchers much support. If you if you don't give the starters much support, they tend to try to get finer and finer and, and pick and pick. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it was just – Low off the mark for the for the lineup and for some of the for a couple of pitchers. Ian Anderson, in particular, had a horrible start to the season, but he'll be okay. Uh, Elder's been really good. Uh, Freed's been magnificent as usual, as I expected him to be, and uh, Charlie will come around. So I don't I'm not worried about the pitching so much as I am getting the lineup uh, ignited somewhere. Uh, and maybe Ronnie will do that when he comes back next week, and maybe we'll need to kick in the butt somewhere else. Fred, you mentioned you mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr. coming back next week. How big of a spark do you think he's going to be for this for this lineup? I, I'm sorry, but I didn't pick you up. I didn't hear a thing. You were you were way off in the distance. I didn't hear you. I was saying that when you think about a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. and um, him being added back to the lineup, how big of a how big of a spark do you think he could be for this lineup? Well, it's going to be important. I mean, Ronnie brings the adrenaline. If, if you're comparing the compare the team to a to a, to a human body. Ronnie's the adrenaline for the team. He gets everybody going. Ozzy, in my view, is the heartbeat of the team. He keeps it pumping along, and uh, and Ronnie provides the adrenaline uh, to the to the team. So I think you know he's going to give him a shot in the arm. I would expect him to go off at least the first couple of games that he's back. Once they settle down a little bit, we're going to have to see what we can get out of Adam in center field and uh, whoever's going to play left, and uh, you know maybe we can get Dansby going a little bit more here, but. He's going to give him a shot in the arm. He's going to be on base. He's going to hit a couple of long bombs. They're going to get fired up with having Ronnie back because he's what that's what he does for a team. He injects energy into it and life and spirit, and he's got all that. And he's going to, he's going to be big when he comes back. I don't know if it's enough, but he's going to be big when he comes back. And, Fred, to that end, uh, I know a lot of people think he's going to slide right into the DH uh, first and foremost, but we got to see him down at Jacksonville. He was 
you know, out there running around, stealing bases, uh, you know, getting home from second on uh, on singles. Uh, would he not just go right back into the lineup? Because as you said, uh, that the defensive the defensive play in the outfield for Atlanta has been pretty uh, pretty abysmal at times uh, this year. Yeah, I think I think that uh, Smith said yesterday or the day before yesterday, I believe, in an interview that Ronnie will probably go back into the outfield um, at least uh, to start. And I don't know that they're going to play him there every day because playing nine innings at the major league level is significantly harder than playing nine innings in double-A AA or triple-A. Uh, and I believe he plays his first nine-inning game tonight, weather willing down there. So, you know, it, it, it's a lot rougher. I know people look at it and say, well, it's all baseball. But it doesn't work out that way. It's harder at the major league level. Everything's more intense. And I think they want to make sure that they don't blow him up again. They want to work him back in. You're going to start in right field, and I think you're going to see right uh, 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 Ronnie and du- and Duvall and and Demerat, uh, Demerat brother in the outfield. Maybe uh, you'll put Ozuna in there if they got a right-handed out, right-handed uh, pitcher on the mound. But uh, I think they're going to give him a game or two, and then they'll give him a day off of the DH, and they'll move him around and back and forth like that. The important thing is to keep him healthy and keep him at the top of the lineup. If that works, everything else will fall into place. Fred, how do you solve a guy like Dansby Swanson's struggles right now? I'm sorry again. I, yeah, I, I, I did so much here to well for yeah, it, but yeah, I'm just, sorry. Speak to Dansby Swanson and uh, what, what's going on with uh, with his struggles right now. You know, I wish I knew. Uh, Dansby's. Uh, I mean, the first couple of weeks he was really bad. He was really pulling off the ball. His head was going one direction. The bat was going the other. He was he was collapsing on his back leg. He was out of time. Um, he had that one game where he got a couple of three really good knocks, and I thought, well, he's coming back. Then he slipped back a little bit. He, he's, he's always going to be this kind of streaky player. Um, but right now, at the start of the season, he just didn't, he was hitting off his front foot mostly and uh, with not much power, and he just wasn't seeing the ball. Maybe that'll pick up, um, and maybe he'll that'll come around. Uh, he, he, he started looking at it. I think he, I think he will come around, but he's never going to be he's never going to be Derek Jeter or or anybody like that. You're going to have to take the good defense and hope for okay okay at the plate. Um, he's still pretty clutch, uh, and I think that'll continue to happen. But he's he's got to solidify the base a little bit, and he's got to keep that head down on the ball and moving. I'd spread him out a little bit if it was me, but they don't pay me to do that. But I'd spread him out and make him hit off off a flat flat plane and just try to smack the ball some way, but. That, you know, they don't ask me for that opinion, so I, I probably they probably don't care. Fred, but to to that end, I mean, that's kind of uh, you know Bobby Cox, uh, Brian Snicker managing to a T, right? He's like, hey, you're playing great defense. Uh, we'll wait for the bat to come around because I I asked a few times during this stretch, like, does he just need to sit uh, at some point because he was so bad at the plate? I mean, he was what almost at a fifty percent strikeout rate, headed for two hundred and fifty strikeouts on the year, and, and Brian Snicker was. I, I don't know, content's the right word, but he was willing to keep putting him out there every day. Well, you, you got to understand who the replacement is, okay? Uh, R.C. is not a great shortstop, and, and he's not going to hit any better than, than Rand. I know he, he ran into a couple. Uh, he had that really good game, but that was two pitchers that he really owns, and the rest of the league, doesn't. he doesn't have that kind of, uh, of handle on. Um, R.C. had a chance to be Milwaukee's regular shortstop three years in a row and couldn't hold it. I, I, what makes you think he can play shortstop better than Dansby? I, I, again, I, I think Dansby's important for who he is on the field. I know a lot of people poo-poo that, 
But I think having Dansby out there is important because with the heart and the, and the energy out there, you've got to have some brains. Nobody has a higher baseball IQ than Swanson right now. Uh, and, you know, Matty Olson, he's still feeling his way. He's steady at first, and, and, and Austin's coming up at third base. But right now, the, the baseball acumen, the baseball IQ is in the middle of the diamond, and that's, that stands me and Ozzy. And I, I think that having him out there is a lot more important on the defense than it would be to pick up uh, five points in the batting average maybe. Uh, and RC is going to strike out the world like, uh, like Dansby did too. So it's, it's, it's going to be like that. I don't see any benefit there, and, and I don't know who you're going to get to replace him if it's not RCF. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Fred, uh, again, so much of the first part of the season was about Freddie Freeman and him not being here and uh, then the Brave Series with the Dodgers that it almost felt like, you know, that was the best thing that could have happened to Matt Olson. He's just like, hey, I'm just the guy over here playing first base, hitting close to 400. I mean, has he handled that transition, being the guy to follow the guy about as well as anybody possibly could? And look, Matt Olson's a fine, fine guy. He, he stepped into that, and from day one, he said, I'm not here to replace Freddie Freeman. I'm here to be Matt Olson, and I'll be the best Matt Olson I can be. And right now, you can't argue with, with doing that. I mean, uh, he, you know, he's 270, 375, uh, three, uh, 541 right now. That's, that's pretty good. And uh, he's, he's, again, he's not going to be Freddie, but he, you don't want him to be Freddie. You want him to be Matt, and he's, he's a really good Matt when he's out there. Uh, gold glove first, gold glove caliber defender. Um, back comes around, uh, hit, hits line drives all over the field. It, his back doesn't look that much different than Freeman's did in that spot. He's hitting balls to left field. He's hitting doubles down the line. He's, he's getting under the ball, hitting the ball hard. Uh, I don't know that we did much but get a little bit younger and then change the name on the back of the uniform there. And I think that, um, you know, making it, making it whether he's going to be Freddie or not is just, it's just the wrong idea here. This is a fine ball player. Big bat, hell of a guy, uh, and, and he's he's just doing a great job for us right there. I don't think he could do any better than him. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take joining us. Fred, finally, wanted to get your thoughts on the pitching. Obviously, Max Freed, uh, Charlie Morton's one and two. Is ERA up around six? We figure those guys will you know perform. Obviously, Max Freed did well last night. Where do you see the rest of this rotation? Because that's obviously something that you want to shore up. Are, are you on the Kyle Wright train? Do you feel like? You know, Ian Anderson eventually is going to come all the way back where he was. And, you know, obviously Bryce Elder there at number five. Is that something that he can hold on to? Well, you know, those are all really good questions. First of all, I think Charlie will come back because Charlie Morton is Charlie Morton, and he knows a lot about pitching. Uh, Max Max has been my guy ever since I saw him throw those big hooks out there and strike people out back when he first came over. Uh, Anderson is going to be the kind of guy that if he, he goes out, he doesn't have the feel for the ball. He's, a, he's really a touch-and-feel pitcher. He's got to put that, that change up and his breaking pitches. He's got to put them where he wants them to make them more uh, effective, uh, and he's had a little trouble doing that this year. Um, Kyle Wright is the Kyle Wright I expected to see two years ago. Uh, of course, that got held up by the pandemic and stuff, and he didn't really come around. But I think this is the, this is the Kyle Wright they drafted. This is the guy they expected him to be, and I don't think – I don't think this is the flash in the pan. I don't think it's a one-year wonder kind of thing. It took him a long time to, to get it on track, and, and I think this is the guy you're going to see now. He's, he's going to settle in as a number three starter um, and, and maybe a number two on some teams, but on this team, a number three starter. Elder, you're going to have to watch his innings, and you're going to have to get him some help because uh, he's not done this at this level for this long before. I mean, he was two years ago he was in college. I mean, he, <laughs> he just hasn't really – uh, had a lot of innings and stuff out there. 
he's got uh, he's not he's strong. He doesn't get shaken up. Uh, but they're going to need some more support. Uh, maybe that comes from within. Maybe they have to go out and get it. But uh, they're going to need more pitchers that goes down the line simply because people are going to get injured, and you're going to need days off, especially for people like Elder who haven't thrown that long. Um, and maybe you see Tarnock up again. Maybe you see Kyle Muller back up again. But we're going to see all of them at some point during the season. Fred Owens, Tomahawk Take, our guest here on 3 and Out. Fred, appreciate it. Thanks much. Always my pleasure, guys. Stay safe. Will do. Fred Owens joining us here on 3 and Out Braves and Cubs. Coming up tonight, we'll come back with more 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It's 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll certainly look at the NFL draft upcoming here in our number three right around the corner. Also, is anybody going to overthrow the SEC in this thing? We'll talk about that as well. But uh, Ben Cam Ransom entered the transfer portal for Georgia Southern uh, and is going to be taking his talents elsewhere. And didn't really want to talk about that. Just want to talk about the transfer portal and where it's at. I saw a report there on ESPN earlier this week that said they studied the transfer portal. uh, And over the last calendar year, 51% of the people that go into the transfer portal sign with another another school. 51%. You're like, okay, that's 49 left. Okay, you're right. 8% go back to the school they wanted to transfer from. Okay, that's 59%. What about the other 41? They end up nowhere uh, there as far as the transfer portal is concerned. And Ben, I know you've talked about this, but it seems as it's come along, the transfer portal has become very hyped, uh, very talked about in terms of, well, you don't like the way it's going? Just hop in a transfer portal. I don't even need to recruit high school players. I can go to the transfer portal. And you hear people go, hey, man, that's crazy. But if you got 40% of the guys that never come back out of that thing, are college coaches crazy saying, I-, I can always go to the transfer portal. There's guys sitting around waiting for an opportunity uh, that have already had some level of college football. So is the is the, the transfer portal overplayed, overhyped? Will we see a, 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 a dying down of the number of players that want to jump in the transfer portal, or is this just going to be a continuing problem where guys say, look, it's my opportunity to better myself, and you're betting on the fact that you're one of those 59%. It's gonna it's gonna be a problem until you have players really start speaking out saying what it really is. I think too often at times, Kevin, everybody think they're gonna be Joe Burrow going from Ohio State, uh, you know, to to LSU, and that's just not the norm. Forty one percent never come out. Forty, and when they talk about the quote eight percent that go back to their their schools, are they going back to a school that's welcoming? They're not talking about are they playing. They saying okay, we're gonna let you come back, and then fifty one percent or fifty one fifty two percent or whatever it is. Actually, go to a school. Well, what school is that? Because, see, that's the thing, Kevin. You start breaking down, okay, 52%. Okay, they go to another school. What school? Was the school their choice? Or will they say, look, man, this is what you got. What's up? Or, but 41% are in there. 41%? That's a lot. I mean, think about that. Hey, man, we're going to give you, you know, we're going to give you 52% of your check. What? Yeah, 41 is gone. Like and the yeah. other eight percent, we're gonna put it in the PTO. That's paid time <laughs> off for for those of you who don't know. I'm just saying that I just think Kevin, no, the transfer portal is a reality that most people think it's not gonna be theirs when they go in it. Oh, it's not gonna be me. I'm gonna be in that fifty. Yeah, are you though? Because if somebody's telling me if I leave my if I leave school X to go to school Y, 
Well, well, school Y might be, you know, it might not be the one I wanted. It might be the one that 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 that's left. So I do think Kevin is crazy because you know what the transfer portal really is, though. All these guys have been at the top of their game for so long. They feel as though, oh man, they're gonna be waiting on me. Nah, this ain't the same thing, man. This ain't recruiting to where you had ten offers and you pick one of ten. This could be you have one offer. Like this is it. Well, and again, it was like like I said. I'm not trying to be misleading about it. Obviously, and you're talking about the transfer portal encompasses FCS football, yep. D2 football. So yep. obviously, the numbers go down from there. So it's like obviously more D1 guys will find a place to land, but you're still put going at 41 percent D2 FCS are looking for a place to play. And Ben, that's a that's a big number, and it's well more than a thousand guys. But I mean, just for some perspective. If you just had a thousand guys going into the transfer portal, that's still four hundred, over four hundred guys that don't have a place to play, that don't have a, uh, a a a place to go and move on to the next level. That is a a huge amount, and obviously the transfer portal is not just for football. I mean, it's basketball, yep. it's baseball, yep. it's softball, it's track, it's everybody uh, that's been out there uh, able to to jump in this thing. So it there is a large amount of number, but uh, I, I kind of first saw that like only fifty percent, a little bit more than fifty percent of the the people that go in actually sign with a different school. I mean, that's a pretty staggering number if you're thinking about jumping in that thing. And obviously, D1 folks are going to have a little more hit uh, success rate with that. But that is a staggering number to think there's a 50% chance you end up at another school, maybe nowhere at all. Yeah, and Kevin, you think about it, Kevin, you're saying those stats, but they, that's what needs to be said more often. Hey, if you leave school X, there is a 50% chance that you, that you won't get go to another school that like like people be saying, hey man, you like sabotage your own career? Why? Because it wasn't going the way you want. Well, who's to say it's gonna go the way you want at another school? You still got to deal with recruiting. You still got to deal with guys that are trying to get on the field at the school you're going to. And who you were is not who you are. Your 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 best recruiting is gonna be when you come out of high school, four star, five star, whatever. Now former five star, yeah, okay. JT Daniels, he's on school number three. He's it's gonna have to work here because I don't know if a, another school will even take him. USC, Georgia, West Virginia. Hey, but he's also a quarterback. He's also one guy. I just think Kevin, the transfer portal is a reality. Most people really don't know uh, what it's gonna be like until they venture into it. And like I say, they may never come out of it. Well, I mean, I, again, I hope it leads to a little bit more thought of sticking it out and playing through. I mean, I don't have, we don't have time to get into it right this minute, but Demi, you are a prime example of a guy, and you've been honest, said, look, I probably thought about transferring, but you stuck it out, waited your turn, and, and finally got a chance to play, and I wonder how much of that, and I know the especially guys that, that, that have that, we're going to the league, I want my game tape, I get it, but there's also some of it that, hey, if you wait your turn, we see it at Alabama, hey, I sat for two, three years, finally got my turn, I'm still a first, second round draft pick uh, at that place, I know that can't be everybody, but Man, I, I wish, I hope this leads to a little more guys wanting to stick it out. We got more to come here. It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Good to have you along here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And uh, joining us here on the program, again, our good friends at Walker Jones giving away a, uh, a boat tomorrow. Here to tell us a little bit about that, uh, Brad Tootin, sales manager at Walker Jones. Joining us, Brad. Welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Actually, the giveaway is Friday. Friday. I'm sorry. I, I'm just in a hurry reading my notes, and I, I apologize about it. Tell folks 
about that giveaway, and uh, do they have a chance to still put their name in for it? Absolutely. We're going to be taking um, names up until probably 3.30 Friday evening, and then we're going to draw at 5 o'clock. So um, it's a, a 14-by-36 G3. It's got a 9.9 Yamaha on it, uh, four-stroke, of course, a 45-thrust uh, Nakota motor, trolling motor. comes fully equipped. It's got a, a Magic Tilt trailer, so it's good to go. All you got to do is put it in the water. Hey, that sounds like my kind of prize, ready to ready to go. So all they have to do is, uh, you know, stop by, and obviously no purchase necessary. You got to be uh, over 18, I guess, is the only kind of criteria there. That is correct. No purchase necessary. Uh, got to be over 18 years of age and uh, one entry per person. That doesn't mean per household. So, you know, if you have five or six people over the age of 18 in your house, every one of y'all can register. So get out to Walker Jones is what we're trying to say. Go see Brad and the folks there, and you could win a uh, 2022 uh, a boat, G3. Uh, man, what a prize. Hopes, I mean, man, I, I would love to win it. Obviously, I can't, but, uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's uh, what time's that drawing on Friday, you said? Friday at 5 o'clock, yes, sir. 5 o'clock, go out to Walker Jones, get in there, great chance to win, and, of course, a great place to go and get your next ride as well. And, uh, go to uh, to Walker Jones to uh, to get involved with that. Brad, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Brad Tootin joining us here, sales manager at Walker Jones. Ben, boat with a trailer ready to go. Just stop by and uh, and get registered up to win there at Walker Jones. They're giving one away on Friday. I'm just saying, Kevin, man, why is it, why is it, you know, we, we, obviously we ain't eligible to win these prizes, but are they trying to, are they trolling us with some of these prizes? These prizes have gotten a lot better over the years. I mean, I'm not saying the ones in previous years was bad, but my goodness, man, a boat, hey, man, you leave the house with nothing, you come back with a boat. And it's ready to go. Comes, comes with the, comes with the trailer as well. So you just back it up, take it with you. I'm just saying, man, can we, did they say anything about, you know, uh, you know, regular for this thing with a fake name. I mean, I am <laughs> over 18. I'm just saying. <laughs> now, I don't do that. The boat does not come no, with I'm Kevin not, Thomas not, or Ben Trouble. I'm not going to do it because I got to show up and get the thing. I'm like, no, I'm just here to get it for him. He's down the street. Yeah, Kevin you know? Thomas and Ben Troop are not part of a moving company. So if we're at Walker Jones, if we just show up, we, we did not get sent there by the winner to uh, to take it with us. Although that would be pretty... <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, they were like, don't listen, listen. Uh, he said it's like both of ours. He's just gonna leave it at my house. So exactly. Hundred percent. <laughs> we're just gonna leave it with us. We'll take care of it. No, go to Walker Jones. Get yourself registered yeah. for a chance to win uh, that 2022 uh, boat. There, a uh, a G3 John boat. Great prize. Comes ready to go with that trailer. So go to uh, Walker Jones and register for your chance to win. We got another hour to go. Ben, draft tomorrow. All the excitement and are the Jags. Going to mess this thing up from uh, what everybody's been telling them to do. Also, the SEC just dominating the draft. Is that going to change anytime soon? We'll debate that. Final hour, three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Final hour of three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're with us here on the show. NFL draft coming up tomorrow. Ben Troop will be at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Play a little top 10 with us. Pick the top 10 draft picks tomorrow night. Whoever gets the most correct. Going to win a 70-inch flat-screen television. So have a little fun with us there tomorrow at Coach's Corner. Looking forward to that. But, uh, Ben, finally, after all the, the waiting and the hype, it will be here and we'll see who we can boo, who we can go what, and uh, who we think actually made a good pick. As we know, Jag's going to be first on the clock. It's been Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, a lot of folks say, hey, don't listen to the pre-draft. 
blustering, it's still Aiden Hutchinson. A lot of folks think it's now Trayvon Walker. Could they pull the ultimate surprise? And Doug Peterson said, listen, fellas, I want an offensive lineman to protect my quarterback. Could it be an Evan Neal? Who knows? But the betting favorite seems to be Trayvon Walker at this point, moving off of Aiden Hutchinson. Ben, we're now, what, 26 hours out. Do you still feel Aiden Hutchinson, or do you feel like the Jags are going to go for the versatile ball player or, or football player? I think the Jags are going to go more versatile. I think uh, from everything I'm seeing on uh, on Twitter, uh, Kevin, which I'm not saying Twitter is my is my source for my, my sources, but I will say I'm like I'm seeing a lot of Jag beat writers that saying today what they're hearing is they're probably going to go with Javon Walker. And I think what happens is Kevin, when you start looking at um, you know, this Georgia defense last year that was historic. Javon Walker was a big part of it. The Kobe Dean, George Davis, you know, Lewis Stein, Devontae. I mean, this list goes on and on. I think it goes back, you know, to what Emory Hunt was saying in early in the early, you know, early in the show. You want versatility. You want a guy that's a jack of many trades. He can do a lot of things. He can play on the inside. He can play on the outside. He can play on the nose. He can cover guys. He can run down the seam uh, with a tight end. He can run. You know, he can go out there and cover. Uh, you know, a running back in uh, you know, on third down. He can drop in zone. And I think when you got that much versatility, and he can rush the passer, and you really don't know how good he is because his ceiling is through the roof. Six five two seventy five four five one. I think the Jags want to make a splash more than they want to go. With the pick like Aiden Hutchinson, obviously Javon Walker do that. He will be the highest drafted defensive player in uh in Georgia, in uh University of Georgia uh history. But yeah, Kevin, from all I'm seeing with all the beat writers, I think they're gonna go with they're gonna go with the freak, and that is they wanted Javon Walker. And again, a lot of folks thinking that uh Detroit would love that if Aiden Hutchinson slid down there to uh to number two. So uh could be interesting there at the uh, the top. If the Jags go a wild card and take an Evan Neal, that that throws the whole first round uh, off kilter from what everybody I think has kind of been preparing for over the last uh, couple of weeks. So who knows with the Jags, you'll have to wait and see, but Ben, uh, who is going to be somebody and there's somebody every year. And I'm not saying they they're sitting there like, you know, a sad sack in Vegas. Hey, I'm in Vegas. Let me hang out here as long as possible. If, if that's what it takes, but who's the guy you think is going to be hanging around a little bit longer than maybe people think he's going to heading into tomorrow night's draft. I think it's going to be N'Kobe Dean. I think it's going to be the, uh, the all, you know, the Buckets Award winner, the all-star linebacker, the, the all-SEC, all-American linebacker for the University of Georgia. Not because I don't think he's an incredible player, but which he is. And I, while I do think he was the heart and soul of that Georgia defense, Kevin, I mean, I know that uh, Emory Hunt uh, said he goes off the tape. I go back to his pro day. He wasn't he wasn't 100% healthy. I blame his agent for letting him go out there and trying to go out there and not be 100%. But they're going to go off what they see. Everything you put on tape, they're going to go off of it. Undersized, I think a little bit under six feet tall. Definitely, a, he's definitely a, you know, you look at what you want in linebackers these days with the Roquan Smiths of the world, you know, uh, the Bobby Wagons of the world. I think he fits that mode of just guys that just hit everything that moves. But these these uh these teams are always looking for you know uh kinks in the armor. I mean, what is it about this dude that really doesn't translate or whatever? So I do think Kevin Nicobe Dean could be a guy that can slip and a guy, uh Desmond Ritter, a guy who has first round ability, probably's gonna slip as well coming out of Cincinnati. I feel like again, if teams stay patient, I think the quarterbacks will all slide uh, a little bit because again, not hating on their abilities. I just think you look at them and there's enough reasons to pass versus we gotta jump up and take them. Uh, ben, and how many teams are desperate for a quarterback versus will actually sit back and say, you know, I'm okay if we wait until next year 
when we maybe are projected to be still in this kind of same range and we might be in play for one of those three guys. So I think the quarterbacks may slide. I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, could be proven wrong with this and, and teams overreach for quarterbacks all the time. But I feel like if you're not getting Malik Willis, most teams will be willing to sit and wait and say, well, is, is Sam Howell that much different than Kenny Pickett? Is, you know, if we have to get Desmond Ritter instead of Kenny Pickett, are we cool with that? I mean, I think most people will be. So I don't know if there's going to be a huge rush. I could be wrong Mm because teams freak out about the quarterback. But I don't feel like there's going to be that panicked rush like we've seen in drafts past where, uh uh-oh, quarterbacks are going off, got to step up and get one. Yeah, Kevin, you might be right, but it, but it's, but then it's going to depend on where the first one goes. Because usually it's that trigger effect. It's almost like okay, it's like it's like it's like that. It's like that gentleman's wager. All right, all right, uh, Team X, Kevin Thomas, you say you're not going to get him right now. You know, you pick number five, I pick number six. All right, we both want the same guy, but you say, hey, not going to get him right. Then all of a sudden, pick five come in, Kevin Thomas gets him. I'm like. And then your phone don't work. Kevin, I see you. I can see you on TV smiling. I see your phone. No, Kevin, I, this is the thing, though. The, the quarterback is that one position that everybody wants one, right? And this is the thing. They want one even if they already got one. They still want one. Because that way I got my present and future already in the building. So that's the thing that's not being talked about, too. Now, I know now, Kevin, when it comes to first-round quarterbacks, Man, if they go in the first round, they're gonna play. It's like unless that's Tom Brady out there or or Drew Brees, you know, or you know, uh, those type of guys or Brett Favre, these guys are gonna play. But I think that at the end of the day, I'm gonna be intrigued to see how many quarterbacks end up going first round, Kevin. Because this is the thing: we already got the numbers. You know what? Uh, what 33 percent? That's that's your success rate, right? So if that's what we if that's what we if that's what the success rate is, what makes me think a lot of things have to factor into that organization, fit, scheme, all those things got to factor in the type of player I'm getting because every player that's been successful in the National Football League had those that great organization, great fit, great scheme, a great you know uh, really really good guys around him. Quarterbacks they have to make the scheme. Amen. The Ravens they made their offense more tailored to what Louisville did. For Lamar Jackson, that's why you see and feel people thinking he ain't good. Uh, the first team All Pro uh, tight end last year that would be a one. Mark Andrews, he's loving Lamar Jackson at this point. But I just think for me, Kevin, I gotta be- I gotta see it to believe it. Cause we talk about ain't gonna be no quarterbacks and they are gonna start panicking. Desmond Ritter gone, Sam Howell gone, Kenny Pickett gone, Malik Willis gone, you know, uh, Matt Corral gone. So we'll see. But if they make it to the second round, they will not go past the second round, mind you. Then it's going to be, who can we trade up get to get one of these guys at the top of the second round? Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that they they all are not going to go maybe first, second round. I'm just saying I don't know who's willing to move up to get one. I, yeah. if I think Matt Corral and uh, you know Desmond Ritter are both going to be available at 10. I'm not going to move up to five, right? I'm, I'm, or I'm not going to move up to six because why? Are, are they that – is it the one guy I just have to have? Uh, I, I don't know that the. I mean, again, people fall in love with people, right? Hey, I got to talk to him face to face. I love this guy. Is every, you know, that's just a natural thing. Uh, but I, I, again, guy with no feelings whatsoever about who gets drafted where. I don't see a guy that I would panic and say, "Man, figure out a way to move me up two spots to go get him." I, I'm waiting and seeing. And if, again, I've said it with the Falcons. I'm content on not getting the quarterback. Uh, in this draft, I, I, I would address other things. So I'm not paying. Maybe you buy into somebody else's panic. And, oh man, you 
We might be thinking about quarterback at number eight. You want our pick? <laughs> you know, maybe I feed into that a little bit. But, no, I just me personally, I Malik Willis may, is a maybe. And I think he could be a good quarterback in the league. But I do, just to me, I don't see a quarterback that's leaping off the page at me saying, I can't live without this guy on my roster. No, I agree. I agree. And and, and look, and, and well, let's call it what it really is. You know, Kevin, for the, to those quarterbacks they did that for in the past, right, we look down the line to see, quote, were they worth it, right? Because I heard this four years ago with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, yeah, it, yeah. if you Google him, it says he's a Cleveland Browns quarterback, but that's not the reality. He's not playing for Cleveland next year. Kyler Murray, he deleted everything for the Arizona Cardinals, yet he wants a new deal. Well, that's not the way to go about it, yet Kirk Cousins only plays for guaranteed money, right? I'm not playing if it ain't for guaranteed money. Carson Wentz has been on three teams in three years. Jared Goff was the former number one overall pick, and they don't want him after one year in Detroit. So the quarterback in the National Football League, after that top tier, it drops way off. So if you even get a subpar rookie, that's still better than some of these veterans in the National Football League right now. But like I say, Kevin, nothing moves the needle more than a potential quarterback that can take your franchise out of the dark ages, potentially, into the, to the uh, playoffs. Because I don't know what in the world is going on in Cincinnati, but I've never seen a turnaround like that in, in year two for a guy like Joe Burrow. Right, but Ben is that but but everybody says, oh, and again, I guess that's what we fall in love with in drafts is well, they did it. Yeah, but that's what made that run so unbelievable is that they did it, and everybody's going, Well, Joe Burrow's amazing. You, you kind of helped him out offensive line-wise, and then you got exposed. Really, you got exposed in the playoffs. You just happened to be able to get by and yeah. and, and, yeah. and get through because you made plays in overtime and some of those things. I'm not faulting that, but but a lot of people look at it and go, man, look at Cincinnati. That's the blueprint. We get us a Joe Burrow. It's like That's like saying, well, if we get us a Tom Brady and Nick Saban, well, those guys just don't come around every single year in the draft. And again, you are a Ryan Tannehill throwaway from being eliminated in the second, well, however you want to call it, the second round, first slash first round, because uh, the, the Titans got to buy of the NFL playoffs, and you never make it. To go to the Super Bowl. It was that thin for you. You made a play in overtime to uh, to, to kind of uh, put yourself in position. So I, I, I just look at it and say, hey, well, well they did it. I, I, I agree, but that's not always the best way to say, hey, if we draft this guy in two years, we're in the playoffs. I mean, Joe oh, Burrow. Is a, it, 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 that ain't working. I mean, I'm just saying, Joe Burrow is a right? special. Yeah, Joe Burrow is a special player that you just. You don't you don't find every every year in the draft, and it happened like the first year you almost got him killed. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, yeah. It, it, it wasn't it's going really down a road to working out. About year one and going to year two. I mean, that's the thing about Joe Burrow. People will say, "Oh, well, Joe Burrow is a proven winner." Well, Joe Burrow was a proven winner in 2019 because in 2018 he wasn't the same player, right? He he he. But you saw what he did. But we always give credit to the quarterback. I mean, Joe Mixon. You know, all, all pro caliber quarterback, I mean, running back. Jamar Chase, arguably the best young receiver in the league. T. Higgins, I mean, a thousand yard receiver. You know, Tyler Boyd, these aren't slouches, people. These aren't, you got three potential thousand yard receivers, definitely two of them. You got a thousand yard running back. Now, the, now the offensive line, I ain't, ne- I ain't never seen nothing like that happen to where a, a team gives up nine sacks and win. Like, I ain't, that's, that can't be the blueprint, Kevin. But I will say this, look. The Joe, if Joe Burrow does anything else, he gives you hope for the future. Because most teams, there isn't any. That stuff is fake. They know what's going to happen. 
And I just think that for Joe Burrow, look at that division. Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Mitchell Trubisky and Pittsburgh, but that, that's not that's not going to be what they're going to have moving forward. Sometimes, Kevin, you got to get guys in there and say, man, we need to have a really, really good quarterback just to compete in this division. You notice I didn't say Baker Mayfield, right, because he's no longer in that division. He's looking for a home, former number one overall pick. So I just think for me, Kevin, when you think about these quarterbacks, just like with the quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, DNs, O-linemen, safeties, corners, linemen, we don't know. It's almost like, I thought he was going to be better. Well, yeah, we thought a lot of guys were going to be much better than that, right? I mean, if Bo Jackson don't tear it, if Bo Jackson don't get an injury, what what his career could have become in the National Football? You see what I'm saying? It's like we just don't know the injury bug, the wrong scheme, you know, and they could could Antonio Brown. I'm just lose their mind all of a sudden. Just lose it. We don't know what they're doing. Or you could you could you could have you could have you know you could have like a Gordon that played all those years that receiver. This dude play one year, he's out to leave next year. Come back, play another year, out to leave next. So I I don't know, but I do think Kevin, when it's all said and done, first round, second round, if you at quarterback, they're gonna find a way to finally eventually get you in. Or you could be the eleventh overall pick in one draft, Josh Rosen, and you be on a different team every year since. So we don't know, Kevin. This is the NFL draft. It has a it has a it has a 33% success rate. My goodness. Yeah, it uh, it comes at you fast certainly there in the National Football League. We'll come back, we'll look at that Falcons number 8 one day out. We'll get Ben's best guess there for what the Falcons do at 8 and what positions getting overvalued constantly in the draft. We'll break that down next. It's 3 and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here with you on 3 and out on this Wednesday. Tomorrow is draft day. I've been Troop. We're going to be out at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. I want you to come out and join us and participate. We're going to do a little top 10 challenge. Pick the first 10 picks in the draft. Whoever gets the most is going to win a 70-inch television. The Falcons at number eight overall. Ben, we're 20, now 24 and a, or 25 and a half hours away from the draft. What is your best guess for Atlanta at number eight right now? My best guess for Atlanta number eight is, I mean, I've seen some of these interviews with Terry Fondo and Arthur Smith. I mean, while I do think Terry Fondo could be the type of guy to go to pull the trigger on a, on a, on a, on a quarterback, I see him going, if Kayvon Thibodeau is there, they get him. I believe if Kyle Hamilton is there, they get him. I believe if Evan Neal is there, uh, they get him. You know, one of those three. But Kevin, for me, I think they're going to end up probably going, going receiver. And this is why. <laughs> don't do that no man that would be terrible i'm 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 gonna tell you why this, this is the thing you, you you just said it there's not a quarterback in this in this in this draft that they're just head over there's not a matty ice to them in this draft right so they say okay we're in the rebuild like we know i mean we they're in the rebuild so if we're in the rebuild they'll say we'll take our chances on a future draft pick next year or maybe a veteran quarterback in the offseason next year. They go ahead and say, what's going to give us the best opportunity to try to even win the perception battle of trying to compete this year in this division? Because, Kevin, you got a lot of young guys. Kyle Pitts going to year two. A.J. Terrell going to year three. You want to start saying, hey, man, we want to start showing you guys that we're trying to get back to a winning organization. So you look at this receiver, it's a lot of guys that can help out a guy like Marcus Mariota. You talk about, you know, Garrett Wilson. You talk about, you know, uh, Drake London. I mean, you talk about Chris Olave. You're talking about Traylon Burks. It's going to be a lot of guys you can get. Plus, Kevin, we said it. They need everything. The Falcons need everything. They need a quarterback. 
They need they're not gonna get a running back. They need a running back, they need a receiver, they need a they need a backup tight end, they need a defensive end, they need another linebacker, they need another safety, they need another offensive lineman. And I think what you do is you say, All right, we rather get a guy that's going to contribute than get a guy at quarterback, Kevin, that's gonna make it so that Marcus Mariota, he's gonna get the he's gonna they're gonna pull the plug on him quicker, sooner rather than later on a team that's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I listen, like I said, uh um Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, maybe a Kyle Hamilton. One of those three guys, because when I say one of three, all three of those guys will be there. One of them is there. I think you get him, Kevin, especially with a guy like Kyle Hamilton, his versatility. Kayvon Thibodeau, who most have the best pass rusher in the draft, and Evan Neal, who was a consensus number one, and I don't know what happened to him. You know, he all he did is, you know, go to Alabama, left tackle. I don't know what in the world he did. But for my money, Kevin is probably going to end up being like a receiver because I think they want to give Marcus Mariota as many weapons as they possibly can because, you know, that defense is going to struggle. So maybe they're going to try to outscore people. This okay, year. so feet to the fire. Who's the pick? You said a receiver. Who? The number with the with number eight pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the – Atlanta Falcons select Garrett Wilson. I mean, uh, receiver out of Ohio State. I mean, that would be an interesting pick. Like, I mean, Ben, you're talking about pass catchers in the draft in the first round. I mean, people say, well, how much draft capital have the Falcons spent on pass catchers a in lot. the first round? <laughs> a lot. They spent a lot. I mean, Calvin Ridley, first round pick. Julio Jones, first round pick. Kyle Pitts last year, and then you're going to come back with another one. Wow. I mean, I mean, right. I mean, listen, listen. Roddy White. I mean, uh, first round pick. Mike Jenkins, first round. I mean, they've been doing it for way back when I came out in 2004. They got, they got, they got Mike Jenkins in 2004. They got Roddy White in 2005. They get Julio some years later. I mean, the thing about it is though, Kevin, it's an offensive driven league. So what helps you? What helps? What helps put them in the seats? Scoring points. Now, unfortunately. You want to be scoring points for your team and trying to keep the other team from scoring them. We forgot to tell the Atlanta defense that. But I just think that Kevin, you know, and like I said, a wild now, a wild card. I, I said Neil Thibodeau Hamilton. Now, a wild card, even though I think they're going to go with Garrett, Garrett Wilson, I mean, a, a receiver out of uh, Ohio State. A wild card, though, a wild, wild card might be Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati because A.J. Terrell, he's the best player. Like, he made the biggest jump from year one to year two. And like I said, you won't keep contributors. If I got two bookend cornerbacks with one of them, ain't never – one of them – listen, Sauce, I mean, I ain't trying to jinx you. You are going to give up a, a, a touchdown sooner rather than later. Hopefully not that many. But I'd rather get a guy, Kevin, at 6'3", never gave up a, a touchdown in his in his career, got to see – got a chance to play against uh, Alabama, Georgia, back-to-back years, made the college football playoff. I mean, if you can get him – because like I said, if you're trying to get contributors, I don't know if you're going to get a better one than Neil. Well, I'll, I'll go Thibodeau, Neil, Hamilton, Gardner, but they're going to probably end up getting Gary Wills. So Ben's like four guys ahead of the receiver. Hey, Jared, get the receiver Jared, in. Jared and listen, if you've never uh, seen Arthur Smith, tell Arthur Smith that the camera's on him. He got that deer in the head. Every time you see Arthur Smith, he just, I'm like, what? Like, I don't get it every time you see him. But I will say this, Kevin. If you are in that front office, Kevin, if you are, you know, GM Kevin Thomas, when you need everything, I don't think you can mess it up because you need whatever you get. Whatever you get. Uh, now, whoa, unless you get a running back, then they're going to be, what? They're not going to do that. Oh, what I will melt down you- if it's a running back in the top 10. I, but, but look, I will I will look at this and say, look, I, to me, I, I feel like Kyle Hamilton in the slipping talk, if he's there, I think I'm going to say that's the pick. 
uh, because it's hard to project if they trade. To me, I still feel like the Falcons are a prime candidate to trade back and still get a great player, even if they go from 8 to, say, 12 in the draft, 12-13 uh, range in the draft bin. I will say the Falcons take Kyle Hamilton at number 8, though. Would not be surprised if they try to leverage somebody's number 1 and move back. I, to me, I just feel like if you can do it, that is yeah. the that's the smart play for Atlanta yeah. at the end of the day. All right, Ben. Again, we we just talked about quarterbacks and you know jumping up to take a guy. What do you think is the most overvalued position in the draft? Uh, like again, we see a lot of them go. Uh, maybe a little higher. What do you think teams overvalue when it comes to picking in a draft? Uh, teams overvalue the combine. And the thing about no, I'm talking combine, about from a player position standpoint. Like, what position well, on, do they on. just think way too much of going into the draft? Uh, I mean, way too much in my because to me, I mean I, I, I mean, I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. I mean, I I think they overthink the quarterback position too much because the whole thing about it is right. If 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 you go to a quarterback store, every last quarterback, every last quarterback has certain intangibles that you like, but they're not the same, right? And it's almost like, Kevin, they want you to fit a mold. Oh, well, he doesn't do this. Okay, well, he does that well. Well, he doesn't do that. Well, he does as well. Can he play the position? And I think the thing about the quarterback position is quarterback positions are under the most scrutiny, Kevin, because they because Malik Willis said it. He goes, not only are you the face of the franchise, do you the face of that city? And you are. People start, man, you know, we got, you know, I, listen, I, I remember what Michael Vick meant to Atlanta, like what he meant. Not just to the Falcons, but to the city, right? And he was exciting. Now, when it came time to win a, a pivotal game, because they're going but I, but I think that Kevin, when it comes to the quarterback position, is they looking at you, hoping that you can become something they've seen before. Like, oh, can he can he become this player or that player? Like you said, if you're in Atlanta, no matter who comes, if they're a quarterback, you are replacing that guy. That's who you're replacing. And unfortunately for you, they want you to give that type of production. So for me, I think it always is the quarterback position because they expect these quarterbacks to do something they've never done. You expect the quarterback to go to Detroit and lift the spirits of Detroit. How? When? Nobody can do that. Or or Cleveland. Or, you know, so I, I think that too, Kevin, too, sometimes when it comes to these quarterbacks, if you're being honest, they expect you to do what you did for the college you was at. Only problem is, well, dude, most of the time I was the best player on the field. I might just be a player on the field now with the type of guys I'm going up against. So I think it's always going to be the quarterbacks because when quarterbacks win, Kevin, they get all the praise. And when they lose, they get all the blame. I, I understand, I understand that. Win. See, for me, I would say like wide receiver because, again, there's so many wide receivers. Now, again, there are exceptions to the rule. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, if Calvin Johnson's sitting there, I'm not going to draft him because he's overvalued. No, I mean, there are certain guys that break out of the mold. But I think on the whole – uh, you see so many wide receivers for every one that comes in and is a, an immediate stud out of the first round. You see a couple that are kind of like, well, they were just all right. And I think when you look at this draft, there's going to be guys in the second round, third round, yep. fourth round that are going to come in at the wide receiver spot and be a big-time contributor. So I'm not uh, putting it on the same level as running back where I really feel like, uh, and BJ has pointed this out statistically, your best running back in the league to maybe like a top 30 running back, so your kind of first-teamers, is about – the spread is about a half a yard yeah. per carry. So it's like, hey, your best running back in the league is averaging on on average about a foot and a half more per carry than the than the thirtieth guy in the league. So I think you can get value later in the draft at running back, and we've seen that. 
I think there's going to come a day uh, iteration of there's going to be a couple of really good ones, a uh, wide receiver that maybe you could get 10 to 15. But I really, especially this draft, I think there's going to be guys going, you know, 32 to 50 that are really good. Uh, that, that'll be just as impactful. Maybe guys that go into third round that could be impactful players. And now that we've seen been kind of the emergence of a designated slot guy, you should just be like, hey, you're you're Wayne Corbett. You're too small, so we're just going to put you in the slot. Well, we've seen guys, Danny Amendola, guys like that, make careers out of doing what? I'm going to run 10 yards, I'm going to get open, and I'm going to fall down. Well, why are you falling down? Well, so this guy that weighs 250 doesn't murder me. You know, so, I, so I'm going to catch the ball. I'm going to fall down. You go, well, where's the explosion? I'm moving the chains. And I've, I'm becoming a Pro Bowl player. Why? Because I'm going to catch 100 balls all at 10 to 12 yards, and I'm going to fall down. My yards after the catch is going to be awful, but you know what? When we need a catch, they're coming to me. And those are guys you could get, Ben. Third, fourth, fifth round. Well, this guy's only 5'10". Nope. You know what? But he can get open. He could catch a seven, eight-yard pass and extend it to 10 and fall down, and you've got yourself a first down, move the chains, yeah. and he's going to be hard to cover. I think you're seeing more of a specialization as well of wide receiver. And, yeah, the guys that are tall and run four twos, they're always going to be at a premium. I, I yeah. mean, I get it. I, they're they're going to be at a premium. Which is still, which is still really rare. I but mean, saying, but I mean, we've I... seen those guys. Yeah, you can run fast, you're tall in a straight line, but if you can't get open and you can't catch – that 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 could be a problem. So I think wide receiver gets overvalued because you say, man, that guy's six four and ran a four three. Can he get open? Yep. If yep. he can't, Al Davis, he had quite a few of those guys. He's the tallest, fastest guy in the draft. And he's out of the league yeah, in two yeah, years because yeah, yeah, he can't yeah, make yeah, plays. Yeah. Only in the draft, Darius Hayward Bay gets drafted over, you know, Michael Crabtree. And I'm like, because because they fast. But I do I do think you make an interesting point, Kevin. When you start talking, it goes back to the variety. It used to be a time to where they, they're trying to make you something you're not. I've played in the slot my whole life. Not my whole career. My whole life. All of a sudden, when I get drafted, you move, you move into the outside. And guys like Xavier Howard and Jalen Rams and Stephon Gilmore, you know, uh, and Javon Diggs going to be, come on, man. I can get over on those guys. Have it, everybody has a specialty in the National Football League. Every single player, they draft you for what you do. You know, they draft you. If you're a Bosa and you and Chase Daniels, they draft you to, hit, to get around that edge. If you Jordan Davis, they draft you to clog up the middle. If you're N'Kobe Dean, they draft you to be a heat-seeking missile to hit everything that moves. If you Tom Brady, right, coming out of Michigan, they know, they know you're going to have to play the, the quarterback position the best because you lack mobility with your feet. But then if you Michael Vick, they want you to be sensational as far as like being exciting. If you Cam Newton, I want you to look like Tarzan and play like Tarzan, which he did. So I do think when you think about these receivers, Kevin, Cooper Cup might be the best of them all, right? And let's call it what it is. You don't want to give him his just dudes because he's a white guy. Just call it what it is. I mean, that's because I don't care about that. I'm just saying there's there's guys throughout the draft that could come in at the receiver position and make plays for you. And I think you get so caught up in like, well, this guy's not. There is value to be found at the wide receiver spot, not just in the top 20 picks. I mean, I, I think that's one where you overvalue and I think could be seen as a running back. Why do I need to spend a top five pick on a running back when I can get a guy that's pretty close in production in the third round? I think the same could be said potentially for the wide receiver spot. But, 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 uh, but, but, but Kevin, think about this. That's like somebody saying, man, he look like Calvin Johnson. You know what somebody say? Don't start that. What? No, but I'm, I'm not saying there's not exceptions to the rule. Calvin Johnson, of course. That's he, like, yeah, draft him too. But, but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is when you talk about when you talk about being super productive, right? Super productive, right? Jarvis Landry coming out of coming out of LSU is a is a slot receiver. He averages like a little over 11 yards a catch. 
He's been in the league eight years. He has almost 700 catches right now. But if he don't catch nothing, I got almost 700 catches. But you know what? But you know what the thing is? He's never been on a winning franchise. Miami, Cleveland. I'm still too productive. See, the problem is you got really, really good players on really, really bad teams, and they still producing. You don't, you don't think that matters, Matthew Stafford? He goes out to LA for one year, they win the Super Bowl. He's been there for one year. So I do think, Kevin, when you think about receivers, I want to got his 5'10". Tyreek Hill, 5'10". Now, he's lightning fast, but he's 5'10". Then you got 5'11", 6'1". You, you, got, you got guys like you know, uh, like uh, like Evans down there uh, with Tampa Bay. 1,000-yard receivers every year he's been in the league. You got, Devontae, you got Devontae Adams, who I don't know how fast he is, but I know he come wide. Open, so I just think for me, I want the variety, Kevin. I don't want one. I don't want to. Calvin Johnson is great, as he, and he is the truth. I need another guy that don't do what he does. I don't need two. I would take two Calvins, but I, I only need one. And then you give me somebody else. The great, the, the, the best way to look at it is when they had Roddy White, Julio Jones, Harry Douglas. Roddy White is your number one. Julio Jones is your freak. Harry Douglas is in the slot. That's all you need. You know, this notion of, hey, man, the greatest receiver of all time did not go to Ohio State. He did not go to Georgia. He did not go to Michigan. He went to Mississippi Valley State, and he ran like a full six. And he has 200 career touchdowns. That would be Jerry Rice. So all I'm saying is, like you say, Kevin, I don't care how you look. Can you run fast? Can you stop, start, get open consistently? Because if not, for guys that run real fast and can't stop, they're called track athletes. Go over there and do that. I need a guy that can put on some pads and get open. We've got more to come here. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. We're going to be live at Coach's Corner tomorrow. Hope you'll come out and join us. Have some great food. Talk draft with us. We're going to be having a little draft fun as well with the top 10. Give us your top 10 picks. And whoever gets the most correct will win a tremendous prize. Again, we're talking... Uh, you get a correct answer. Whoever you say goes six actually goes six. Just saying that for uh, an example. So give us your top ten. Whoever gets the most going to win that 70-inch flat screen television. Going to have a lot of fun there at Coach's Corner uh, tomorrow. Uh, SEC man has dominated this thing. And tomorrow, expect to have a lot of Georgia guys go. Georgia expect to have the most players from one school taken into draft. And went and looked. It's been over a decade now since anybody I think in close to two decades since anybody has had more players taken in the draft other than the SEC. Ben, why do you think that is? And, and again, I'm not here to say, hey, oh, SEC, you know, but there's talent at Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and all, all of that. Is it better coaching? Is it just simply they're getting better talent that then obviously progresses into it? How come nobody has had a better draft weekend than the SEC in like nearly two decades. It comes down to the product on the field, right? I mean it's not as if the product on the field. I mean we talk we talk about we talk about uh we talk about uh next year's draft, right? Who's the who's the headliner in twenty uh twenty twenty three? That would be Bryce Young. What college does he go to? Oh he goes to Alabama, right? We talk about Evan Neal who's supposed to be the potential number one over what Alabama. We talk about Georgia who's gonna set the record for the most players uh in the draft. What they you know the SEC. We talk about Matt Corral, SEC. We talk, you know, we and, and and the list goes on and on. Kevin, when you get, you can't, you can't talk about the best, the either number one, number two, or number three position in the country without mentioning the SEC player. That's what it is. And 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 you're right. It's not to say that other players around the country, but it's the marketing, Kevin. Like you said, we start saying, look, there's a lot of conferences out there. People go, oh, ACC. Mm, I don't know what that is. So most people do. Big Ten, Pac-12, Big Twelve. 
You start saying SEC because people identify names with players and coaches and brands. Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, okay? Nick Saban, okay? Kirby Smart. And so I think, Kevin, what, what it goes is it's like this. There are there are there are products out there that you ain't never bought, but you know them if you see them. That's the SEC. It's the best product in college football because they market it the best, right? We're going to be at SEC Media Days this year, and it's going to be crazy because of how they market the freaking thing. And it's not as if the players aren't incredible. Joe Burrow, LSU. Jamar Chase, LSU. Justin Jefferson, LSU. You know, I mean, and these, and these are arguably the two, the top two young wide receivers, you know, in the National Football League, right? I think, I think it's one of those things, Kevin. We, we like this. You want to get you one before you quit. Hey, man, you well, understand get you that, one but it, again, again, I'm just saying it doesn't. And with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, it's not going to end anytime yeah, soon. But yeah, I just, I mean, you're talking about the totality of the draft. Like, I get the SEC has had top end talent, but you start looking at the uh, at the depth, and it's like just from the sheer number of players drafted. The SEC's had more every single year yeah. than any other conference. And I think the ACC's come close once or twice within a few players. Most of the time, everybody's 9, 10 players back. It's just amazing. You get, and really where you find it is not that the great players from the Big Ten aren't going. No, they are. It's in rounds three, four, five, six, where you just see guys from the SEC just get pulled left and right, left and right. And the depth of that league. But I'm just amazed that, they're, again, not once in like the last 15 years has another conference like, hey, the SEC only had 43. Well, that's still a great number. Okay, they had 43 players, and this year the Big Ten had 44. Like, not once has that happened uh, from another conference. I, I mean, it goes to show you what the SEC has developed, as you said, but I was just trying to look for, you know, like, is there a one factor that you could point nah, to? Nah, like, why I mean, is it? No, why it's, is it? It's, it's the perception, Kevin. You know I get it. it. The perception of the SEC is far greater. Than the, than the SEC, I mean, far greater than the actual reality of the SEC is. But, I mean, the thing is, too, Kevin, if somebody goes, okay, if somebody goes, hey, man, uh, Kevin, you just became a GM. I mean, I want to pick a tackle. No, I I'm, a tackle I'm, I'm going. going. Like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to go here. Or, uh, you know, I got a I got a, I got a quarterback, you know, from LSU, you know, uh, you know, or Ole Miss. Okay, boom. Because what starts happening, what starts happening is, Kevin, like I said, you know, the top, the top cornerback in the draft, he might be Sauce Gardner, right? Who they got at number two? Derek Stingley. Who they got at number three or four? Kyrie Elam. You see what I'm saying? You can't go that far without – they might not be the number one player. They might not be. But they're going to be the number two or number three. And I just think that what starts happening is, Kevin, we are creatures of habit. No one wants to be that that draft to say, oh, we went against the grain and we made the Big Ten or the Pac-12. But I will say this. A lot of it has to do with who is the last team standing most of the time? Team in the SEC. Now, Clemson has done it. But most of LSU, Georgia, Alabama, that stuff matters because most people that don't even watch college football will watch the national championship. Most people that don't watch baseball will watch the World Series. Who's the last team standing? Well, last year was these boys from the ATL. So I think, Kevin, that has a lot to do with it too because it's like this. I don't watch, I don't watch golf. I watch Tiger Woods. There's a difference. I don't watch golf. I don't watch football. I watch Alabama and it's because Nick Saban and that brand. So – I just think that the brand equity in the SEC is what pushes it. Every because and guess what, Kevin? You know they're gonna be. You know it's gonna be in Vegas. How many times they gonna say that? What you just said? You know the SEC. They've had the most. Got they got the quota. We got to say at least thirty-five times for people to get it. But Kevin, at the end of the day, would you blame them if they say, "Hey man, the SEC gonna have the most players"? All right. 
Like I can live. With no, that. I hundred percent get it. I look, look. I I've argued on this show. If you're Jacksonville, back in the uh, uh, Shaq Harris days of general managing, and I was like, why are we trying to uh, draft guys from Nebraska, Omaha, when you have uh, you know dudes from the SEC right here in your backyard? Yeah. No, I I hundred yeah. percent get it. I'm just amazed that not once has another conference in the last fifteen years. Just happen to have a run of players where they could have more than the SEC because, as we know, the NFL doesn't really care where you no, played, but no. they 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 want great players and by and large, they know where to go to get them, and they're going to the SEC time and time again to get great players. We got more to come here on this Wednesday. It's three and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Wednesday. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll be live at Coach's Corner tomorrow for the draft. Really looking forward to that. We've got the Braves coming up tonight as well against the Cubs. Been a win tonight. If Charlie Morton can get it done, I will put the Braves with their first series win officially of the year. It's still with a game three tomorrow. But you like to go ahead and get that out of the way and secure a series win if you could uh, and try to get something rolling here before potentially you know who comes back next Monday. Listen, uh, I'll be, I be listening around town, Kevin. People be always asking me, is that a Braves hat? Let me tell y'all something right now. That's all I wear. If I got on a fitted, it's an A-Town fitted. Now, I'm going to have on some nice ones. But, Kevin, like I say, there is no panic level over here. This Braves team, Kevin, can go out there and you know, win their first series. I know Rosario going to be out for some months. I know Ronald Co- you this time next week, boy. Woo! Oh, Ronnie going to be back in the building. So I just think that, Kevin, it's a slow and steady approach. We can go stay, stay consistent. There. Charlie Morton understands how to go out there and get it done. And I just think this team is still trying to find their rhythm. We expect the team. I don't know at what point a team has their rhythm in the season. I know it's not, you know, after the first 20 some odd games. I know it takes longer than that. But, Kevin, they still got they still, they still, still got a lot of the season left. They're going to be just fine. Charlie, go out there and handle your business. Bullpen, handle your business. And Lisa. When it comes to this lineup, start showing why you should be putting fear in these opposing pitches. Somebody go out there and get the ball rolling. And for Dansby Swanson's sake, my goodness, sir, please get a hit, get on base, and maybe, you know, you can try to start, you know, playing your way out of this slump. Yeah, I think that would be a a good sign. Again, you're going up against Mark Leiter tonight, ERA up over 11. So maybe an opportunity to, uh, to get some more runs going tonight. I know there's been a lot of discussion about the baseball about how it's dead and it hadn't been flying as far and, you know, pitchers don't like it and that's why guys are getting hit with the baseballs. And I know the Cardinals and Mets have been fighting the last couple of days. So, uh, again, be not a nice opportunity to go out and try to score some runs off a, uh, a guy that's obviously off to a slow start. But, man, I know the countdown is on. If Acuna's back on Monday in time for those nasty Mets and go give the Mets a little uh, sour taste of 1-3, up there in the the nation's uh, the nation's capital. Hey, listen, I'm 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 just, I'm just looking forward to a camp at the end of the day. Get a dub, Ronald. We'll see you next week, sir. Appreciate Emory Hunt joining us. Fred Owens joining us as well. Braves and Cubs. We'll have pregame coverage coming up in seven minutes. Right here, we'll see you tomorrow from Coach's Corner on Three and Out.